0: It's
1: my body and I'll die, if I, want to. die if I want to You're listening to That's Pretty Dark
0: The podcast where we talk about all of the entertainment that scared us as children
1: And still haunts us as adults So grab your flashlight and join us as we take a frightfully nostalgic look over our shoulders
0: and under our beds and in our closets. And together we'll realize, whoa, that's pretty, that's dark. pretty dark.
1: It's Halloween weekend!
0: Halloween 2023 is upon us. Oh,
1: God! Us. I'm so excited. I feel like I've been working all October and I'm ready to get me some (laughs) spooky free time this weekend. It's gonna be awesome. And I can't wait to go trick-or-treating with my nephew. We are
0: very proud of editing Christian. He has made it through this marathon October. Woo, buddy. And reached the the wonderfully, beautifully spooky
1: finish line. I'm proud of you. You've done the same thing. While sick for the entire month.
0: Yeah. And see the thing is, I'm never like sick like with a cold that like I could take cold medicine and feel better. I'm like sick, like I need surgery. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> what you've just, had, you've had surgery. Uh,
0: yeah. I've had one surgery this month. Haha, Fooled you guys. You didn't guys, even know.
1: Listen, she had surgery this month <laughs> and we kept recording and you didn't even we know.
0: <laughs> can, can you believe it? How good are we? Man, we knew, you know, nothing was going to make us happier than finishing out a strong October.
1: Seriously though. These,
0: these, you know, marathon months where we do every weekend, it is no joke.
1: Yeah. No, we, we don't take October's lightly i just want to live in october forever Mm -hmm. i hate that it only comes around once a year
0: life and afterlife life and put me in october you know which
1: is why we make the most of it and we're just so happy that we could do it again this year because we thought that we almost wouldn't be able to but my god we've done it
0: but we've pulled it off and
1: we're all here together
0: thank you christian thank
1: you kaylin and thanks to all of you
0: yes for being here with us this october
1: on that's pretty dark Welcome. Mm. We're continuing our Casper series. This is part two. And we got into all the background, the history of Casper, the 80 years. 80 years of Casper. Uh, And part one. Uh, If you missed that, definitely go get it. Go get We're going to jump right into the movie.
0: And I'm just ready after all of that history to really talk about the plot of this movie because so many people have been telling us that they're watching it yeah. this Halloween season. So I've seen that
1: too. It's so great. That's so fun. Well, have you watched it three times like I have? Because <laughs> I don't think you have.
0: <laughs> I think you've beaten all of us.
1: Yeah, I beat front. everybody every time. I'm the best. Wow. Okay. To start us off, let's go ahead and set the tone. For this evening, I'm going to send you an article to read, Kaylin.
0: Always intimidating. Gotta love it.
1: Well, not yeah, not a whole article, but a paragraph <laughs> from the article. Okay. Um, from Slash Film, written by B.J. Colangelo.
0: When Casper was released in 1995, I doubt anyone thought it would carry the cult legacy it enjoys today. The film was only a moderate success at the box office, and its PG rating completely derailed audiences' expectations. It was marketed as a heartfelt and entertaining way to educate children about death and what comes after, as well as learning how to appreciate those we have while they're still on this earth. Casper is often cited as nothing more than a children's film, with an animated ghost trying to find a friend for the afterlife. But few remember how depressing the film actually is, and its deeply examined themes of loss, grief, neglect, and the human's unwillingness to accept the reality of mortality. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which, like (laughs) you said last time... Uh, guarantees this pretty dark film a place on our podcast.
0: I find it funny that they said it was marketed as a heartfelt and entertaining way to educate children about death. I don't know that any of the commercials were like, teach your kids about dying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I don't but, know, you know. I don't know what any of the... Uh, I
0: mean, hey, it was the said. 90s. <laughs> Anything's possible. Okay. One picture in your history. That's what I'm afraid of.
1: So the film opens when two young boys sneak into the enormous Whipstaff Manor to take a Polaroid as proof that they were there. Oh man, do we have to do this? Hey, you want everyone in school to think we're chicken? I could
0: live with that. I, I was, come on.
1: It's very dark inside, but there are cobwebs hanging from the fixtures and grotesques lining the stair railing. And of course, there's the giant swirl pattern on the floor. It just wouldn't be a 90s movie if the location didn't have some over-the-top eccentricity like that. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of this has to do with the rise in like Tim Burton's art style in the late 80s and early 90s. I think they were pulling a lot from that. Uh, but I'm going to leave that there, and eventually we're going to pick up pick <laughs> up those threads when we talk about some Tim Burton stuff.
0: We've got a lot of Tim Burton stuff that's on our uh Oh, yeah. ledger.
1: When the boys can't decide who should take the picture, Casper, seizing upon an opportunity for friendship, offers to take it for them. And as we learned in part one, Casper is always looking to do kind things for others in his search for friendship. Now wait a minute, I gotta be in the picture too or no one will believe I was here. Can take the picture. No, you take the picture. You take it. You. Guys, guys, don't fight. I'll take the picture. But when he takes the camera and snaps the photo, the boys scream and run away, leaving us with one of the most obscure yet potent relics of all 90s fandom. <laughs> A literal snapshot capturing the essence of 90s childhood fright and spooky exhilaration.
0: Damn.
1: <laughs> I've seen this Polaroid in my mind so many times over the years, but I can never remember what it was from because I haven't seen this in a long time. Mm -hmm. So anyway, but to me, this image screams, pun intended, Friday night fun, knowing you're about to gorge yourself on pizza and popcorn, Mm -hmm. hoping that you're going to get to blockbuster early enough in the evening to still find a VHS copy of Casper.
0: Those were the days. I know.
1: I think I'm still looking for the mood of this movie specifically.
0: Oh, for sure. We all are.
1: With everything that I consume.
0: Absolutely. That's that's why we have this podcast. We've both been chasing that high ever since <laughs> chasing, that one fateful uh, night sometime in like 1999 when yeah. uh, we took our last blockbuster trip and didn't know it.
1: Oh, God.
0: <laughs> it was more like 2004, let's be honest.
1: Um, who plays these two kids? Hey. These two boys that we never see again?
0: <laughs> I'd love to tell you. Tell me. Uh, these two boys, Nikki and Andreas are their names, Oh. are played by Chauncey Leopardi and Spencer Ruman. Okay. Chauncey, who plays Nikki, has quite a few credits, including The Father of the Bride, Boy Meets World. Of course, The Sandlot oh. plays Squints.
1: Oh, that's him. Oh,
0: my God. That's him. One in the same. I knew he
1: looked familiar. That's amazing. And
0: something that's fun for me and now you as well, Christian, is that this fellow plays Kyle in Gilmore Girls as well. Kyle, which one is that? The one that loses an arm. Oh
1: my god, that's crazy.
0: Goes to the army, and then he's got like a hook.
1: That's insane. But yeah,
0: he plays he plays Kyle and Gilmore Girls. Wow. Um Spencer's credits were slightly less extensive, but they include Harry and the Hendersons, Wings, Baywatch, Man of the House, and Third Rock from the Sun.
1: Ooh, I loved Third Rock from the Sun. It's a good one.
0: Okay. So wow. these guys were quintessential 90s kids.
1: There are four main storylines that flow throughout this movie, all converging into the Delta. That is the Halloween dance at Whipstaff Manor. So thank God we're covering this movie in October uh, as our Halloween main event.
0: Because we're all going to end up at that dance together in the end. That's right. That big dance in the sky. Oh, God. No, That's what we're all thinking about
1: this month. Mortality.
0: That's what what we're up to. That's where
1: we're at right now. Mm -hmm. That big Halloween (laughs) dance in the sky. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Gotta have fun with it.
0: We all know heaven is a Halloween dance. Of
1: course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> but for simplicity's sake, I thought we'd try our damnedest to focus on one storyline at a time and then conclude them all together on All Hallows' Eve at that party. And along the way, we'll make sure to sop up all the pretty darkness, eternal sorrow, and existential dread found therein.
0: I trust you. You are the night's gemini cricket, <laughs> you're going to be guided
1: through. Let your conscience Let be your, conscience your guide. Conscience be your guide. So my sections are as follows. First, we'll have the dumb shit treasure hunt (laughs) storyline, starring the villainous duo, Kerrigan Crittenden and Dibs something, (laughs) her close personal friend.
0: He has a last name, apparently.
1: What they're looking for is treasure, independent wealth, and who isn't? Let's be honest. Next, we have the ghost grief counseling storyline, starring Dr. James Harvey and the ghostly trio, Stretch, Fatso, and Stinky. What James Harvey is looking for is his deceased wife.
0: Yes, he is. Something
1: that's now a cliche in supernatural media.
0: Ghost anyone?
1: Next, the true blue teenage romance storyline. Emphasis on the blue in multiple ways. Nice. Starring Casper and Kat. They are equally looking for friendship, love, and a chance to really live. Lastly, the school Halloween dance storyline. Starring the blonde bully duo... Handsome Vic and RBF Amber. They're looking for, I don't know, accolades? What do bullies want? To feel I don't superior?
0: Know. We None of us know.
1: None of us really know. Hopefully none of you know what bullies they, want. I'm
0: sure they just want the same things we do. They're just trying to get them in the wrong ways. They're
1: just misguided.
0: We've had a lot of bullies uh, in our October on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big bully energy, you know?
1: I think you said this last time but this plot is a tangled web. Quite. You said something was a tangled web. Mm-hmm. Without James Harvey's search for his wife, there's no ghost therapy. Without Kerrigan's search for treasure, the Harveys never come to whipstaff. Without the bullies, there's no Casper putting the moves on Cat, which means no discovery of the laboratory with the Lazarus and the vault containing the supposed treasure. And without the treasure, Kerrigan never goes to whipstaff in the first place. Like I said, tangled web.
0: So you're saying that this was a good script? In your opinion,
1: <laughs> it's a really good script that actually reads more like a novel. Yeah, with all the interweaving plots. I,
0: I mean, I love it. No shade to the script, I I really do. I mean, there I there are really well s-
1: certain details that have plot holes, but mm-hmm. pretty much every movie has this. Mm-hmm. But with what they did and how much they threw at it, and
0: they were trying to make a lot of things happen. A lot. Clearly, it's honestly have four storylines, and just those are just the four you chose to highlight. Those are just
1: the four I chose. Right, everything sort of fits. Into those. Mm -hmm. Those are just the main ones. But like, yeah, the fact that everything is contingent on something else is really impressive.
0: That's that good old J.J. Abrams kicking into gear.
1: At its core, this is a ghost story. So it makes sense that the inciting event of the whole thing is the death of a very rich old man. Mm -hmm. In fact, a lot of people die in this movie. A lot. An attorney played by Ben Stein (laughs) reads the last will and testament of the deceased who is the father of Kerrigan
0: Crittenden. $11 million to the
1: Save the Pumas Foundation, $1.2 million to the... Uh, Ben Stein's the, uh, Bueller. Oh, yeah. Bueller. We we know
0: Ben Stein, don't we, guys? Don't we, listener? We know Ben Stein.
1: Clear eyes for dry eyes.
0: Man, I... Ben Stein. That commercial... (laughs) So many it's times. It's the most annoying
1: thing. But when they rinse off the eyeball, beach ball, oh, it's the best.
0: No, I don't like it. I mean, like it's it. the worst, but Ugh. it's the best. I don't like You know, I can't do eye stuff.
1: Are you into eye stuff?
0: <laughs> nope. No, thank you, Ben Stein.
1: <laughs> no, thank you, handsome Vic. <laughs> As a daughter hating philanthropist, the old man left tens of millions to different animal rescue foundations. We got Save the Dolphins, Save the Pumas, the Patagonian Wasp Salvation, I love the it. Dyslexic Dalmatians.
0: I wrote that down. That was when I wrote <laughs> down. I was like, he's giving money to the Dyslexic Dalmatians Foundation. That is
1: a beautiful band name. And if it's not your band name, make it your band name.
0: Mm-hmm. Anybody out there, if you're looking. You've now found it.
1: The Dyslexic Dalmatians. Yes. And you're welcome. He goes on to mention bobcats, owls, snakes, and finally... Daughter, Harrigan. To whom he's left Whipstaff Manor in Maine.
0: And? And I'm late for lunch, so if you'll excuse me.
1: She calls it a lousy piece of property, but it was lousy 50 years ago. Now it's condemned. <laughs> There's so many good... Little, like, one-liners. Oh, the one-liners,
0: the jabs, the...
1: Oh, they're so good.
0: Insults, even. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What did she say? Your sweaty construction types, for Christ's sake. Your sweaty male (laughs)
1: construction types,
0: yeah. That's yeah.
1: (laughs) She's furious with her partner, servant, attorney, assistant, man thing, Dibs, Mm -hmm. for not forging the damn will, and she throws the papers, along with the deed to the house, into the fire. The heat of the flames reveals a secret message, written in invisible ink. Buccaneers and buried gold, whipstaff doth a treasure hold. Again, it just wouldn't be the 80s or the 90s without gimmicks like secret messages written in invisible, invisible ink. Invisible ink. Not to mention yep. the hidden treasure storyline.
0: I used to write stuff in invisible ink. Did you ever do that?
1: Uh, no, but I did look up oh, how to make man.
0: it. lemon juice, right?
1: One of the options. Yes. Yes, that's what I did juice. as a
0: kid. I remember because I was obsessed with all things like you know, secret agent and spy related. Oh, you were. And I, yeah. I was. You were a little the secret agent, Nancy spy. Drew. I w- yeah, I loved Nancy Drew. I, yep, yeah. that was my whole shtick. And I basically- That's cool. I would make invisible ink and I would send messages to all my friends.
1: That's really cool. um Yeah, I looked up how to make it. because I wasn't as cool as you as a kid and I never did it. So it's actually really simple. Like you said, you can use lemon juice if you want to. Mm-hmm. But I found a little bit more of a complete list from an article called How to Make Invisible Ink by Sarah McClellan for a site called Little Bins for Little Hands.
0: <laughs> well, what more could you ask for? It's
1: like children's like science project, like at-home science projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Bookmark that for real.
0: Yeah, honestly.
1: Lemon juice, apple juice, onion juice, wine, vinegar, milk, cola, and even bodily fluids. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've heard that as well. I
1: also read that you can mix equal parts baking soda and water from a different source. Hmm. I think that's the one I would do because it feels more like science like sciencey. science-y. Like, yeah.
0: I'm not understanding the milk.
1: It was just, you know, Hmm. I don't know. I I can't explain it. (laughs) I'm not a scientist. I have no idea.
0: You're no Bill Nye or Ben Stein. Ben Stein
1: or Bill Nye. (laughs) The reason for this, according to that article, is because, quoting, "...these are organic inks that change the fibers of the paper so that the secret writing burns at a lower temperature and turns brown faster." than the surrounding paper when exposed to heat.
0: You literally just told me you didn't know and then you told me the exact reason.
1: <laughs> oh, well, you asked about milk specifically. I don't know. <laughs> I did, I did, but. <laughs> I don't know the makeup of, you are
0: <laughs> like, I don't know, it's not this. And then you. I don't
1: know if I, it's like when you were like, the other, <laughs> what episode was it? You were like, if baby Kalen was gonna explain this and you, it was like the most poetic, beautiful thing ever. <laughs> I was like, wow, damn, baby Kalen was pretty verbose. in And articulate. you know
0: that she was though. That That That's is not true. an exaggeration.
1: That's also true. Also true. You were making invisible ink. You were pretty smart. Mm-hmm. That's why you scared your parents' friends. Oh yeah, you were writing them d- death threats in, in invisible death ink. threats
0: and invisible ink, and <laughs> passing them to them in like the church parking lot or something.
1: He mm-hmm. would just read like "Got milk?" and you'd be like, "I don't know." <laughs> and
0: then I come up, tiny baby Kalen with a milk mustache.
1: What a great commercial for uh, for Big Milk. We should pitch that
0: invisible ink commercial. You mean not baby Kalen, obviously.
1: I mean all of the above. <laughs> all of the above.
0: No. <laughs> please no
1: um, do you want to know about the more complex types of invisible ink Oh, sure or is I that do. more of a is that more of a tangent
0: get it well you got it let's do it well the kitten's good
1: <laughs> the more complex types of invisible ink are called sympathetic inks and these are the ones that require a specific substance called a reagent to reveal the message mm-hmm. that's the more like high profile spy stuff because mm-hmm. you have to have the exact solution to like
0: to see it yes yeah, yep Yep, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I found that all really interesting. Like the American government used to keep their invisible ink recipes like locked away, hidden in like secret Because vaults they were and specific
0: stuff. and yeah. they had a specific it's like a, a venom and an antidote. Yeah, you have yeah. a specific compound that's gonna reveal it. Correct. That's super cool.
1: Super cool. So Dibbs reaches into the fire for the deed and he burns his hand. And like we said, the punchlines in this movie are top notch. He says, yeah, can, I think I need a doctor. Oh, there's plenty of names. Which is a great transition to them arriving outside the gates of Whipstaff and it's storming. And he asks, what do you think? What do you think? I think you're going to get wet. I think you're going to get wet. It's just brilliant. The writing is so Mm -hmm. clever and so good.
0: Like we talked about last time, it was written by two women who had experience primarily with uh, animation. Right, right. So it feels like a cartoon where every, you know, line has a reaction. Every line has a punchline. Every line, you know, there's that tennis match of the back and forth.
1: Lots of like smash cut type stuff where Mm -hmm. one line will send you to the next. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But before we get any further, who plays these dumb shit characters?
0: Hey, I got all the info that you need and probably plenty more.
1: Our villainous duo.
0: Kathy Moriarty plays Catherine Kerrigan Crittenden. Yeah. yeah. Who is a glamorous, treacherous, and greedy woman, as you have described.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: I'm about to hit you with a very long list of actresses that were supposedly considered to play Kerrigan Crittenden. All right. I have no way to verify whether this is true or if it's just a list of actresses with similar tones and abilities that somebody compiled on the internet and decided. Mm -hmm. Um, But either way, it's kind of fun to imagine the various alternative Kerrigans.
1: Who would you cast?
0: Options that were listed, and I can't imagine they considered all of these, include Sigourney Weaver... Debbie Mazar, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman, mm. Kelly Preston, Leah Thompson, Stockard Channing, mm. Gina Davis, Tilda Swinton, Elizabeth Perkins, Fran Drescher, Jamie Lee Curtis, wow. Heather Locklear, Jennifer Tilly, Renee Russo, Terry Hatcher, Glenn Close, <laughs> Kathy Najimy, oh, wow. Carrie Fisher, Rebecca De Mornay, Jennifer Jason Lee, Miranda Richardson, Sharon Lawrence, Elizabeth Shue, Robin Wright, Joe Beth Williams, and Kathleen Turner.
1: Oh my God. That's wild.
0: Um, Again, no idea if that's accurate, but when I saw the list, there's a few of those I could see. Wow. Can you imagine Jamie Lee Curtis as Kerrigan? Not her. Or like Gina Davis as Kerrigan? There are some that
1: I could see and some that I can't for sure.
0: I could see Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, oddly. Fran Drescher would have been a whole different Kerrigan.
1: I could see Michelle Pfeiffer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Or maybe I just would have wanted to see Michelle Pfeiffer. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) As for Kathy, though. Joe Pesci gave her her big break when he found her in a beauty contest at a bar and he invited her to audition for Raging Bull in 1980. That's awesome. <laughs> Since landing that timeless role, which earned her an Academy Award nomination, she wow. endured an automobile accident, which resulted in a six-year hiatus from acting. Hmm. And then she returned as Montana Moorhead in the soap opera parody Soap Dish in 1991, and she considers that her most treasured role.
1: Oh, well, wow. Okay. Not Casper.
0: Since Casper and this role in Soapdish, she's appeared in pretty dark stuff like *Tales from the Crypt*, *The Jumanji* yeah. TV series. Casper Meets Wendy, like we talked about last Mm -hmm, time, mm -hmm. Recess, Hey Arnold, she played Tish for three episodes, Wow, uh, and dozens of other TV and film roles, including seven episodes of Great Kills as recently as 2023 this year. How about that? So I'm glad she was able to get, you know, back to acting after that accident. For sure. It's horrible when something like that just puts your whole life on hold. Yeah, you discover something new. Especially when you feel like you're, yeah, you're- haven't, you have momentum and, you know, she was discovered and she got this big role in an Academy Award nomination, you know, all that stuff. so Yeah, that's wild. Good for you, Kathy. We salute you. Yeah. She was a big part of my childhood in Cast from Meets Wendy, honestly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: As for dibs.
1: Oh, Monty Python, man.
0: <laughs> supposedly. His uh, character's name is Paul Dibbs Plutzker. Brooks. And the fellow who plays Paul Dibbs Plutzker is Eric Idle.
1: He's so funny.
0: I remembered him best so as the narrator from Ella Enchanted, which oh. I watched obsessively as a teenager. As soon as I saw him on screen, I was like, oh, yeah, he's an Ella Enchanted. Nice. And it was that very tongue in cheek kind of humor.
1: Right. Yeah. And also
0: paired with the medieval theme. Uh, which made sense because he seems to have risen to fame in the Monty Python world yeah. with 45 episodes of the TV show in the 60s and 70s. And he appeared in Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
1: That's really more where I know him from. And this, of course.
0: Yeah. Most people probably do. I was like, where do I know him? He's he just one of those faces that's always been around for you know people like us that grew up. I think
1: I know him 90s. from Casper and then I got to know him in Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. And I still think it's from something else, but it's just these movies.
0: And he he actually has a bunch of Grammy nominations for his work with the Monty Python... Oh, I'm sure. ...franchise, which is cool. I'm sure. um And he's voiced several characters in Disney projects like the Hercules TV series, voice acting credit on Recess, Angry Beavers Quest for Camelot, 102 Dalmatians, the series. Nice. Um, and he voiced Merlin in 2007 Shrek the Third. How about that? In 2022, he competed as Hedgehog on... Fox the masked singer, oh. which I have personally never watched, but I am beginning to understand the appeal. No, I've never seen it <laughs> because it would be really fun to watch somebody for the season, and then they take off their hedgehog mask, and it's Eric Idle, you know, somebody like that that's iconic. And yeah, I guess yeah, I
1: see Had that. all these different roles. I could see that. So wow,
0: Eric and Kathy, and apparently they had a lot of fun behind the scenes with one another as well. There's an interview oh, that good. you guys can check out. That's pretty funny. You always
1: kind of hope. That they have a good working relationship and that it's not all acting. Mm-hmm. You hope that some of it's genuine. I feel like
0: they did. They had that chemistry. They went back and forth with each other. And they probably, you know, the way that the way that it was kind of presented in that interview, they probably got each other in trouble
1: a good bit on set. Nice. That's how you do it. So arriving at the house, they go inside for a very similar scene as the boys before. Meeting Casper who begs them not to scream. Hello? Huh? Show yourself! Excuse me. If I do, don't scream, okay? I think that a lot. This is because it will only wake the other spirits, who drive Kerrigan and Debs out of the house. Hi! I'm Jasper! Whoa! Oh! No, 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 you shouldn't do that. wake really? up. Too late. So now we recognize that there's something of a hierarchy in place, or at least a community. Casper is a ghost, sure, but he's a friendly one. The others, well, not so friendly.
0: Not so much.
1: And it is really fun to see these villains get afraid of the ghosts. Like she's super hot-headed, he's bumbling and injured the whole time, like he catches his his cast on fire with the (laughs) lighter, which made me laugh, but they're still just as equally terrified of the ghosts as everyone else in this universe
0: the human or not
1: that is the equalizing factor the control of the experiment mm-hmm. everyone is afraid of ghosts except Father Guido Sarducci <laughs> <laughs> my favorite Knew character you were go there my favorite moment of this entire movie and it happens in the first five minutes <laughs> in an effort to remove the spirits from the house and get to that hidden treasure the villainous duo try, exorcism, extermination, demolition, and lastly, psychotherapy. Why is therapy always the last resort?
0: Always the last resort. Every time. Even after demolition. I mean, come on.
1: (laughs) I tried to kill myself, but well, I'm just going to try therapy now because that didn't work.
0: Yeah. We always try demolition first.
1: It was more of a cry for help.
0: Dummies. Why do we do that to ourselves?
1: But first we have exorcism with Father Sarducci. (laughs) the most hippie priest there ever was, with his cigarette and his tan sunglasses, carrying a Bible and a lemon for some reason.
0: You never know when you might need something
1: to invisible the blank. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's it. So tell me, you have experience. I have quite a bit of experience. Not, you know, like exactly doing it, but I have studied it, and i talked to people who have done it, I've seen the videos, and I feel very confident that with my knowledge, I could, I could do it, no problem. Then you can handle this. It's no problem. It's like no problem whatsoever. Piece of cake. Piece of crumb cake. This just feels like our approach to podcasting.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: He's played by a comedian named Don Novello, and he created the character of Father Sarducci in 1973, appearing in underground comics and a number of comedy TV shows. And he also played the character on Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. 31 times. The most appearances of all recurring characters. Wow. Yep. Wow. Like a modern day equivalent would be Borat, Mm -hmm. especially because he committed to this role so thoroughly. That he was arrested in Vatican City for impersonating a priest.
0: Whoops. Isn't that insane? That's really the one place that uh <laughs> Father Guido Sarducci does not need to go is the Vatican. <laughs> I know.
1: But hey man, that, that publicity, those publicity stunts. And they were filming the whole thing. Nice. They were well, they were doing a photo shoot or something. If
0: you have the lemons, you make the lemonade and the invisible ink.
1: When God gives you lemons and a Bible and you purchase your your priest garb at Party City. <laughs> a priest thrift store. <laughs> Go try to exorcise spirits from my house. No problem. I can do it, no problem. Not only do the ghosts vomit on Father Sarducci, yeah. but they also twist his head completely around. Another nod, if you will, to the exorcist.
0: <laughs> A nod.
1: A nod. <laughs> I'm so... in <infani>. funny. <laughs> Next, they attempt an extermination by calling in famed ghostbuster Ray Stance, played by Dan Aykroyd.
0: Who are you going to call?
1: Someone else.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and when that doesn't work, Kerrigan calls in the demolition crew. Are you sure we're not going to get tad overboard here? Dibs? I have huffed and puffed. Now I want to
0: rip this place down. I want my treasure. They can't haunt a pile of rubble, for Christ's sake.
1: But not even these sweaty male construction types are brave enough to stand up to a mansion full of haunts. And they all flee the grounds, hoofing it to safety. And do you think this was Range Rover product placement?
0: It had to have been. When it's
1: just clearly in the shot and then the Rebecca yeah, comes. Yeah, I noticed
0: that. I I noticed that it was very I was like, obvious. Oh. This was getting into that golden age of product placement.
1: Well, I could talk about before. I mean, Spielberg, With, you know,
0: E.T. and such.
1: Spielberg kind of invented the product placement thing. Like, mm-hmm. he made we We're it. back? Yeah, yeah.
0: That, yeah, that was all a Spielberg thing. This was his reign of product placement. you were just kidding. Honest. <laughs> Every time. All I want's a friend.
1: And this is where this storyline begins to introduce the others, slowly. Despite so much recent activity, all of a sudden, Casper has yet to make any new friends. So he's bored and depressed and channel surfing on the TV, a scenario we're all probably very familiar with.
0: Quite. Back when I had, you know, cable with channels.
1: First, some Mr. Rogers. Of course. Then, what I'm assuming is an old Casper cartoon.
0: Yeah, I thought so.
1: People are going, duh, you idiots, of course it
0: is.
1: (laughs) Followed by an episode of Hard Copy with Terry Murphy, which was a real thing. Mm -hmm. It's a news story about Dr. James Harvey, therapist. Therapist to the dead? To the dead? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you lonely? Do you need someone to talk to? No problem, if you're a ghost.
0: Ghost psychiatrist i
1: love it so much
0: the, to the living impaired
1: <laughs> to the living say.
0: impaired i know <laughs> god great.
1: they're not even like puns they're just they're just are they they're not even plays on words i don't know what it is it's just really it's just, funny. Clever.
0: It's just clever it's 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 a um cynicism there's that cynicism yeah, yeah. there's that sarcasm it's just very much that
1: satire i suppose 90s yeah.
0: satire yeah
1: but this is the example of how you run a fictional news story in a movie. And it's because they use a real newscaster with their own show. But you see this kind of thing in movies all the time. And nothing even comes close to touching the, the realism of this, you know, thing. As ludicrous mm-hmm. as it is. Mm-hmm. So everything with Dr. Harvey, spot on. Like we said, the jokes, the humor. Um, he's talking about unfinished business and finding out what's haunting these ghosts. It's all the right kinds of cheese. But do you think they'd be allowed to air footage of Kat, a minor?
0: I thought about that too.
1: Because they say her name, where they're living, Santa Fe. Yeah. They show her school. That's I'm pretty like, rough. I don't think they would actually do that. I
0: thought it was intense. I don't know that they would go to those links. They show minors all the time, but yeah.
1: But you don't like know who they are necessarily. No, they don't. Or where they live.
0: Triangulate them. Yeah. I don't
1: know. I just, it stood out to me. But mm-hmm. we need it because this is when Casper falls in love at ghost sight. I mean, at first sight. <laughs> so he rides the power lines to Kerrigan's hotel room, where he flips the channel and literally moves the TV across the room so she can't ignore it. And we don't see the product placement in the scene, but she does order a pint of Rum Raisin and haagen and a Diet Pepsi.
0: <laughs> Gotta have your essentials.
1: Thus begins both the true blue teenage romance and the ghost grief counseling storylines. Out in the desert... Driving the wrong way to Friendship Maine. <laughs> the exposition dialogue between Dr. James Harvey and Cat reveals two key things. Because they constantly move around the country for ghost counseling, Cat has no friends. And the reason they move around is because James is searching for the spirit of his deceased wife. Mm-hmm. This makes Cat compatible with Casper, but makes Dr. Harvey susceptible to the whims and the antics of these restless spirits.
0: Because he has his own ulterior motive. That's right. And I mean you've tried explaining afterlife therapy to a bunch of junior high kids.
1: <laughs> I couldn't. I don't even want to talk to junior high kids.
0: <laughs> no, me neither.
1: God. It's I've been funny. afraid of them
0: since I was in junior high.
1: In that vein, not in all my wildest childhood dreams did I think I'd ever relate to Dr. Harvey. But a single guy his age is more likely to become a bank hostage than to make new friends. <laughs> I, I'm only thirty-two, mm-hmm. and that's exactly how I feel.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty I think major a thing.
1: Single guy my age is more likely to die alone in his house from choking on a pretzel. Yeah.
0: You know. Oh boy, we're both in it. Sorry, I
1: hope we don't bum totally you it. guys out. But ghosts, death, mortality, <laughs> life. <Woohoo!
0: laughs> Well, I know that I use the word legend a whole lot on the show, but if I don't use it for Christina Ricci, then what are we even
1: doing? What are we even doing? <laughs> with our lives. Let's just, let's just close up and go home.
0: Christina stars as Kathleen Cat Harvey, James's 13-year-old daughter. Yeah. Um, of course, she made her debut in Mermaids at nine years old, and she had already found success as Wednesday Addams and the Addams Family movies beginning in 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now she's doing Casper and now and then had yet to release. Uh, it would come out in October of the same year as Casper. Gotcha. So she had okay. two big movies this year. Yeah. Wow. And I'm going to hit you with another long list of actresses that were considered for the role. Okay. Yeah. Allegedly. That's fun. <laughs> Thor Birch, Anna Chomsky, Kirsten Dunst, Jennifer <laughs> Love Hewitt, Catherine Isabel, Scarlett Johansson, oh. uh, Anna Paquin, Natalie Portman. They were all considered to play Cat. Talk about competition.
1: Yeah, I could see Natalie Portman for sure.
0: Christina Ricci, who was 15 at the time, had never seen a cast for a cartoon before she signed on to the film.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it makes sense.
0: And she regularly had to remind Brad Silberling, the director, that she was born in 1980 because she felt like he was always making references to things from the 1950s. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Christina won a 1995 Young Star Award for Best Performance by a Young Actress in a Comedy Film for this role. Nice. Uh, and just a few of her many roles after Casper include independent ventures such as Buffalo '66, The Opposite of Sex, Pecker, Prozac Nation, Pumpkin, and Monster. Hmm. And she also starred in 200 Cigarettes, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Anything else? Cursed. Penelope Speed Racer. And in 2021, she had a supporting role in The Matrix Resurrections. Oh yeah. She also spent time on TV, appearing in several episodes of Ally McBeal. She received an Emmy nomination for a guest role on Grey's Anatomy. Wow. And she produced and starred in the series The Lizzie Borden Chronicles in twenty fifteen and Z, The Beginning of Everything in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. And in 2021, she began playing Misty Quigley on Showtime's Yellow Jackets, which I still haven't watched. I I want to. Everyone tells me I should. Yeah. And for that, she received her second Emmy nomination for Outstanding Supporting Actress. That's great. She was in a Doja Cat video a few years back. And <laughs> nice. of course, we also all know that in 2022, she appeared as Marilyn mm. Thornhill in the Netflix series Wednesday.
1: That was so fun to have her in that.
0: Yeah, she's great. She's always
1: been one of my favorites.
0: Me too. Man,
1: dude, Black Snake Moan is just one of the craziest things Black I've Snake ever seen. Yep in my whole life. I meant to
0: put that on the list that I just read to you, but yeah, Black Snake Moan as well. That movie
1: blew my mind.
0: Yeah, she's she's pretty unreal. And I think it's so cool that she got her start so young.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And even, you know, there are a lot of rumors around online about how by the time she was on Casper, she was already trying to age up and age out of this stuff. Oh. You know, there are a lot of rumors that say that she, you know, was kind of done because she's playing a 13-year-old character, you know, and she was 15 at the time, so.
1: Well, she looks so young. She I always looks so young.
0: I mean, that's great for an actress, but but Even in Sleepy age, Hollow,
1: she looked it's hard. She looked way too young in Sleepy Hollow. She did we, I on. remember
0: we talked about that when we watched Sleepy Hollow together.
1: I love her though. she's great.
0: Yeah, she's awesome. and this is just such a cool role. like the daughter of a ghost psychiatrist.
1: I know and she gets to like be moody and like throw her weight around, but she's still cool about it.
0: Yes. We talk about it a lot where there are these roles where like the kids are portrayed as smarter than their parents. And that was really common in the nineties. The, you know, the parents don't really know what's going on and yeah. the kid kind of has things figured out. And Kat is that kind of character. She's very grounded. She's very real. And she's very like, she knows what she wants. And she also mm-hmm. almost feels the need to take care of her dad with, you know, the yeah. loss of her mom and everything too. So she's always trying to bring her dad's feet back to the ground as well
1: mm-hmm. while looking after herself and being latchkey and all that fun yeah, stuff
0: she's quite the latchkey kid and speaking of her dad yeah bill pullman plays dr james harvey man, oh man. um again a, the harvey family name just has to have come from casper's early origins which must we have talked a lot about last time
1: must have yeah
0: but again not to take away from bill and allegedly is the best uh, qualifier I can give, but reportedly, allegedly, John Ritter, Tom Hanks, Dennis Quaid, John Travolta, Hugh Grant, Kurt Russell, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, and Tim Allen, if this said, were offered but declined the role of James Harvey, which is different than being considered to play. But again, this is alleged. I don't know the status on that being true or false
1: yes, wow that that is a who's who of 90s dads. yes like
0: yes that's just that yes except a for maybe who jim carrey
1: dad but other than that they're all just 90s dads all of them
0: mm, john travolta
1: well no he's, he's not a 90s dad you're right he doesn't fit he
0: doesn't he quite doesn't fit. fit that but he's still. coming off
1: pulp fiction nah
0: yeah doesn't fit but we've got the tom hanks is the dennis quaid dennis quaid is the, the din- 90s dad the dennis quaid. you know let's let's be real yeah I want to be careful to make sure that uh, we don't make Bill feel like he was second fiddle, though, because I've seen over the course of this last month on social media, plenty of comments talking about Bill being a lot of people's first crush after watching Casper. What? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Big time. I don't get it. It It was a thing. Listener, you know what I'm talking about. Christian's making a face, but you know what I'm talking about.
1: I don't know. I don't see it.
0: And he's aged very well, if you wondered.
1: No, he has. I looked him up, too. Mm-hmm.
0: Bill's notable projects include Spaceballs, Newsies, A League of Their Own, Crazy in Love, Sleepless in Seattle, which I forgot he was in Sleepless in Seattle. And when that clicked, I was like, mm. oh, yeah. Yeah. While You're Sleeping, Independence Day, Lost Highway, The Grudge, and many, many more. And I had to throw in Tiger Cruise as well for my fellow Disney Channel original movie buffs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> With Hayden Panettiere.
1: No, I like Bill Pullman. I mean, he was good. He To me, he's in like that... Obscure '90s dad from my memory, like uh, Steve Gutenberg. Yes, like, Steve. I couldn't Gutenberg. tell you who they are. Yep. But when I watch the movies they're in, I'm like, yes. Yep. That guy.
0: He is a '90s dad through and through.
1: I know his face.
0: I want to go to Friendship, Maine.
1: I was about to say the shots of this town are so beautiful. Like I love New England. I miss being in Massachusetts so much. They're in Friendship, Maine. They say, which is a real place. Mm-hmm but they're actually in Camden, Maine. Like we said, this is where most of the filming, well, on location filming was done. Mm -hmm. But apparently I read that um, the crew stayed in friendship during filming.
0: I read that too.
1: And then just traveled into Camden, because they're so close. When the Harveys arrive at Wibstaff, I appreciate the reference to Stephen King. It's not so bad, huh? There's Stephen King. He famously lives in Maine. He does. uh, And sets most of his stories there. Um, And this is still just the beginning of the references in this film to all kinds of pop culture. Well, the villainous duo give them the old good luck, good night, and goodbye. And the Harveys settle in to their new situation. Kat goes looking for a room and stumbles upon the chamber of the ghostly trio. Their names are carved into the headboards, because why not? Stretch... so and stinky. (sighs) But the room she ultimately chooses is Casper's, of course.
0: Dad! I found my room!
1: And she lies on his bed, and Casper is thrilled that there's a girl on his bed. There's a
0: girl on my bed? Yes! So sweet.
1: <laughs> All this time, he's been rehearsing what to say to Kat to introduce himself. He only has four fingers, so he does the whole, like, sup, give me four, and says, God, I'd kill for a pinky. <laughs> Am I wrong for thinking that this is one of the many innuendos in this movie?
0: No, I I think it could be considered. <laughs> it
1: might be. If
0: you're creative, I yeah. think it could be considered an
1: innuendo. God, I'd kill for a pinky. Ugh. <laughs> Their official meet-cute comes when she accidentally tosses a ball of socks into his mouth, which he then spits back at her. And startled by this, she turns to face him uh, uh, hi? and promptly passes out. <laughs> I mention this in detail because we used to watch this movie a lot and the question was always like, oh my gosh, what would you do if you were in your room?
0: And a ghost. And like,
1: this happened. Appeared. You were hit by something or like whatever. Yes. It was fun late night conversations.
0: It's a very iconic scene. Mm -hmm. It just, Christina Richie's whole vibe.
1: So Casper fills himself with water from the sink and then rings himself out like a rag to wet her (laughs) face and wake her back up.
0: Cartoon logic.
1: Yeah, I watched a couple older Casper cartoons and it wasn't uncommon for him to be filled up by liquids
0: water yes often yeah he acted like a sponge more than a ghost
1: and you know she wakes up and she screams the most high-pitched scream of all time cleaning <coughs> in dr harvey for a quick check for ghost routine to show her that there's nothing to be afraid of but of course when he sees casper himself he yells out in terror and carries cat down the hall and hides her in a closet for safekeeping while he hunts for the ghost And as a kid, his reaction was just funny. But as an adult, it kind of checks out. Like, it's one of two things for me in my analysis. Either he's a bona fide charlatan who has never found proof that ghosts actually exist. So he's just morbidly making money off of people who believe that ghosts are real. Mm -hmm. Which many people have done for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Yeah, probably
0: a lucrative business, but a sad prospect.
1: Mm, The grief business is rather lucrative. Yep. Or he does believe and is holding on to hope despite never finding proof before now. I'm
0: going to go with the second one.
1: Me too. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think he's necessarily a fraud. He's doing what we all do. He's working with his head down and just hoping for success, hoping that everything turns out fine. Mm-hmm. And then one day, bam, there's a ghost, an actual ghost. Bam. So his surprise is, And his exhilaration and fear is just the accumulation of all these emotions crashing together at the center of his own consciousness, making his like make-believe, play-pretend career a reality. Mm -hmm. Like, oh shit, this is actually-
0: Yep, it just got real and now I have to figure out how to handle it.
1: This is the real time.
0: And I was going to make that comment too, because when Cat meets Casper- Mm-hmm. She's obviously surprised to see a ghost in her bedroom. Yeah. However, when she tells him that she saw a ghost, when she tells her dad that she saw a ghost, he does the typical parent thing. All the parental checks under the bed, the closet. Right, right. That gesture, at least, feels kind of empty to me because he brought her to this place.
1: To communicate with the ghost, Telling
0: her that ghosts are real. Yeah, you'd think he'd be like, really? And under the whole guise of this is happening. Yeah. But that even I think goes to show just how um maybe how poorly it's been going for him that he even takes convincing, you know, after the reality sets in for Kat. I think you're right. But that always bugged me a little bit that he even though he's been trying to convince her this whole time, the <laughs> yeah. minute she gets on board, he's doing the checks and, you know, yeah, 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 telling her ghosts aren't real and that is interesting. doing the parent thing all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I get it, too, a little bit because it's like when I'm, you know, when somebody around me is panicking, I'm not going to panic as much because I need to take care of them panicking. Yeah, It's probably a little bit of that where it's like, I can be the one that thinks there are ghosts here. Yeah. If you think there are ghosts here, then... I'm gonna have to fix that. I gotta take
1: care of you, right?
0: <laughs> yep, I gotta take care of you.
1: I get that. Yeah, I, I, he makes sense. It's confusing and it's complex. It's complicated.
0: And she even tells him, "Dad, please do not think I'm as crazy as I thought you were." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and such a good line. Such a good line. And just when it seems like he'll finally find what he's been looking for all these years, he finds far too much of it in the form of the ghostly Tripp, returning home from chasing the ponies down in Belmont. No, man, them ponies run faster when we go down to Belmont. Beer flicker. And I think this is referring to the Belmont Stakes, which is a historical horse race at Belmont Park in New York City. There we go. I don't know anything about it, but Google told me that the races typically occur in early June, not October. Whoops. So maybe there's a different kind of race. They're
0: betting on the ponies. That's
1: the same thing. I don't know. Who knows? And when Casper fails to keep the trio out of the house they burst inside to scare Dr. Harvey silly. He passes out, just like Kat. And in one of the grossest, most memorable moments from my childhood, they each dive into his mouth to, I guess, possess his body. Mm-hmm. And when he goes to wash his mouth out in the sink, there's just something about it that's always made me feel weird.
0: Yeah, I don't like it. It's violating. <laughs> like, Yeah. If they are attempting to possess him, it's a really... Kind of sick thing to think, like in your own body. Something's going to possess me. That's gross. No thanks.
1: I tried my best to to describe this feeling that I have felt since I was a little kid. And I think it's like when you eat too much and your stomach hurts from being stretched out too far, Hmm. only it's full of frozen marshmallows. (laughs) Like, they're kind of soft, but they're ice cold. You
0: really thought about this. Yeah,
1: you did. I thought a lot about it. You've
0: been thinking about this for... A couple decades because now. when
1: I watched it again, I, I felt that way. the exact same way. And I was like, how do I describe this? I'm a writer. I have words.
0: Yeah, you have words and you put them together. That is for damn sure.
1: <laughs> I had thoughts and I put them turn turned them into words <laughs> and then I put those words, strung them together into a sentence and it I wrote it down and now I'm telling them to you guys.
0: Stuffed with frozen marshmallows.
1: How would you like to be stuffed with frozen marshmallows? I'm
0: just trying first first step is imagining a frozen marshmallow and I'm having trouble mm-hmm. with the consistency of that. In my head so it feels I'll good between my off. fingers but I don't want to be full of
1: them for sure this would be a fun fun this would be a fun science experiment for uh little bins for little hands It's
0: got lots of science experiments <laughs>
1: I'm gonna go Coming I have marshmallows I'm gonna on. go freeze them I'm gonna go freeze them and see what happens anyway thus begins the onslaught of chaos that is the ghostly trio. Mm-hmm. Looking in the mirror Dr. Harvey sees a series of faces Staring back at him First, Clint Eastwood
0: Of all people
1: I'm gonna kill you Your mama and all her bridge-playing friends Then, Rodney Dangerfield You think you got it
0: tough? I got a facelift There was one just like it underneath And
1: then, Mel Gibson And lastly, The Keeper From Tales from the Crypt
0: The Keeper. Ah! <laughs>
1: Voiced by John Cassier uh, who also voiced Raymundo Rocket. If you guys haven't heard our...
0: Love that. Rocket Power I think we talked episode. about that, yeah, when we did our, our Rocket Power episode. The
1: night before, yeah. I read that one of the faces was supposed to be Spielberg.
0: Yes, I was going to point that His out. His
1: cameo was cut for pacing. Apparently. And
0: he said he never felt comfortable in front of the camera. Yeah, he was glad. I get it.
1: (laughs) I mean, it would have been fun, but. Boy, do I. But it it also, it works because like, I was trying to think about this too. It's like a, it's a rule of three with a surprise alternate fourth that you never see coming. Mm -hmm. Which is what makes the Crypt Keeper so funny. Because it's the last thing you would expect after seeing these three faces. It's like one of these things is not like the others.
0: As far as the ghosts go. Casper, the titular character, is voiced by Malachi Peterson. Yeah. Apparently, one of the hardest tasks on the movie was finding the right voice for Casper. And to that, I say, duh. Right. Uh, Director Brad Silberling was said to have listened to hundreds of kids, but he found that they came off being too sweet and felt like the parents were telling them to like mince it up and Mm -hmm. ham it up and... It was just one of those things It was really hard to nail down what Casper sounded like yeah, because sure. he wanted somebody who sounded like the right mix of adolescent enthusiasm with the innocence of how he also envisioned Casper.
1: That makes sense.
0: A shorter list of folks, but Austin O'Brien and Jonathan Taylor Thomas were considered for the voice of Casper. I could see JTT.
1: In my mind, until recent, until the past two weeks-
0: It was JTT. It <laughs>
1: was Jonathan Taylor Thomas who voiced <laughs> Casper.
0: I can see it. I really can't.
1: So surprised mm-hmm. to see that it wasn't. It
0: really, it wasn't, but it so could have been. And then
1: I was like, "Oh, that was Simba, you dumb dumb." That
0: was Simba. That is true. But yeah, Casper was Malachi Pearson.
1: Mm. And
0: prior to landing this role, Malachi had appeared in Family Ties, Leave It to Beaver, Full House, Baywatch, Step by Step, and had scored some voiceover credits in The Little Mermaid and aladdin tv shows nice post casper he did an episode each of gargoyles and recess and he returned to voice casper in 52 episodes of the spooktacular new adventures of casper that we talked about
1: last that's cool that's great
0: and malachi actually won a 1996 young artist award for best performance by a young actor for this voiceover role that's dope i'm glad he got some recognition for it
1: me too me too
0: because it was quite the role when you think about it casper's first theatrical appearance yeah Joe Napote voices Stretch, the leader of the Ghostly Trio. Yeah. Joe is a stand-up comedian turned actor, and he's best known for starring as Frankie Waters in NBC's Viper for five seasons in 1996. Oh, cool. Not all five seasons were in
1: 1996, but you catch my drift. Talk about binging a TV show. He's
0: appeared on shows like Happy Days, The New WKRP, The Jeffersons, Normal Life, Northern Exposure, Murphy Brown, and more.
1: Wow, all right. And
0: he's also from what I could read, published a children's book called Eggy Yolk and the Dirty Rotten Dozen.
1: Oh, that's cool. (laughs) I want to check it out.
0: Of course, Brad Garrett provides the voice of Fatso. And you probably best know him from his 210 episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond, which he landed just after playing Fatso.
1: Wow, that's cool. But
0: he got a start in the voice world, having worked on Transformers and Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling in the 80s. Wow, all right. He's also had roles in everything from Roseanne to Seinfeld to The Mighty Ducks, Dexter's Lab, Bug's Life, an extremely goofy movie, Recess, Buzz Lightyear, Star Command, Kim Possible, Bear in the Big Blue House, <laughs> Finding Nemo, Ratatouille, Underdog, Till Death, Finding Dory, This Is Us, Jeez. and... As Eeyore from Christopher Robin in
1: 2018. Oh wow. That's with awesome. still more in the works.
0: So he he's a very recognizable voice, obviously. Yeah. And I always knew his face from Everybody Loves Raymond. Love that Raymond. He's he's been in so many things. Like you can watch any number of random animated things from that time period and you might you might hear of him.
1: Yeah. Great voice.
0: And similarly, maybe even more of an animation titan, Joe Alasky is the voice of Stinky. Mm-hmm. He unfortunately passed away in 2016, but he had over 160 credits to his name, wow. and he had a knack for recreating Mel Blanc's famous characters, including Daffy Duck, Plucky Duck, Sylvester, Marvin the Martian, and more.
1: That's awesome. He voiced-
0: Yosemite Sam in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, wow. and he uh, was the voice of Grandpa in Rugrats Vacation, Rugrats in Paris, Rugrats <laughs> Go Wild, and the All Grown Up series, or at least most of it. That's nuts. Duck Dodgers. He he did a whole bunch of stuff, and he was really, really famous for being able to recreate those Mel Blanc yeah. like, iconic voices.
1: Thanks for your contribution, dude.
0: Yeah. Rest in peace, Joe. It's awesome. It's kind of funny. Two of the three ghosts were named
1: Joe.
0: <laughs> Old Brad was <laughs> the only holdout.
1: <laughs> How about that?
0: them's the ghosts
1: more people who just soundtracked our childhoods yes. with their voices
0: and most of them if not all of them did reprise their roles as the ghosts in other cast for media later
1: yeah that's cool i could see why they just fully embodied you know the whole personality
0: mm-hmm.
1: now that we know who they are it's time for some non-stop nonsense i'm gonna hit this all rapid fire as best i can fatso is caught showering dr harvey catches his foot in a bucket Stinky sends the ripple down the rug with the sound of a freight train and then breathes in his face with the smellogram. Oh. Smelligram. Lots of people
0: call it that. There's the
1: California roll with the rug. Fatso calling cat a closet case. Mm. Yeah, is little that a little bit of a. I don't like it. The Three Musketeers, all for one and one for all. Catch your pants before they fall. Catch your
0: pants before they fall.
1: There's the runway joke. The Marky Mark reference. Mm, I
0: was going to say Marky Mark. (laughs) Marky Marky's not.
1: Marky Marky's not. Uh, The sword fight with the plunger, the canes, the umbrellas, and going into sudden death overtime. Which
0: was a huge, a huge CGI scene.
1: Oh yeah, enormous. I mean, this is all over this house.
0: Crazy, the heavy lifting.
1: And finally, Dr. Harvey disposes of the trio with their family vacuum. Get
0: back. What the hell is that
1: thing? Which I believe is another Kirby. I'm not certain. It
0: is a Kirby. Yeah? It's a Kirby. Okay. Yes. I wrote that down nice. because I want to make sure that we pointed out <laughs> that this iconic vacuum from all of our childhoods is another Kirby vacuum.
1: And I remember this being a very controversial moment in my household when Fatso said Great pun. Perfect joke. But my parents were not a fan of that kind of language. <laughs> and that's one of the things that slipped through the censor. Uh, Along with, well, I don't know if they let Stretch say, what the hell is that?
0: But he sure did.
1: He does in the movie, but I don't know if he did on TV. On
0: TV, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm definitely not sure about that. I have no idea. It surprised me to hear both
1: of those, I will say. There's a lot of language. I mean, we heard the word bitch multiple times. Multiple times. Damn hell sucks.
0: Which is really the furthest you can take it before you probably crank it up to PG-13.
1: Honestly, yeah. I mean, this movie could have been PG-13. It would have been really fun.
0: I really kind of wish that it had been. Yeah. Now, looking back at it, but...
1: It, does, it should not have been PG.
0: But of course, but, with all of the old-timey Casper, you know, integration, Yeah. I think that pulled it back down to a PG level, too.
1: And speaking of things that probably passed the censor, when the ghosts are trapped in the vacuum bag, grumbling and struggling, Stretch says, Who's got their pointy head in mind? Who's got their pointy head in mind? That's not my head. That's not my head.
0: <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yikes.
1: Well, next, we have the famous and infamous breakfast scene. It's big one. And this is really the kicking off point of all the individual storylines of the True Blue Teenage Romance, the ghost grief counseling, and the school Halloween dance. Because Kat is sent to her first day of school, immediately following this scene. Being first thing in the morning, Casper and Kat finally get a chance to talk alone. Morning. Oh, no, no. Please don't scream. I, I promise I won't hurt you. I'm a ghost. Yes, I admit it, but, but I'm a friendly ghost. You have to trust me. If you scream, you'll wake up my ankles and they get awfully the creepy. And we get to learn a little more about the character and the physics of Casper. He's cold to the touch, and he thinks he's made of the tingly feeling you get when your foot falls asleep. Yep,
0: I have that written down, because I think I'm made of that too, Casper, especially for the past month. <laughs>
1: He can turn invisible at will, and he can not only interact with the physical environment, but he can also make breakfast. Seriously, Casper, let's be BFFs.
0: I know. I would. I like, love breakfast. Can you imagine a Casper to just make breakfast? Always like, Ugh.
1: what do you need? Can I get you something? How about some orange juice? But leave the pulp. Yes,
0: please. Leave the
1: pulp, Casper. <laughs> I like Paul.
0: And he seems to have a lot of experience making breakfast, which made me kind of sad for kid Casper, because...
1: Well, he's he makes their breakfast every morning.
0: Now that he's a ghost, I guess, are you saying that he learned it all once he was in the afterlife?
1: <laughs> Probably. Well, when Casper flies off to get Dr. Harvey a newspaper, the tree yellows. Riding in through the ceiling like helicopters, chanting the tune to the right of the Valkyries. I love the smell of fleshies in the morning. When the window shutters roll up, letting in a very bright beam of sunlight, they fully commit to the bit of melting melting, like the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz. This combined with the whole vampires versus sunlight trope. But they aren't really gone, much to the disappointment of Dr. Harvey. They demand their meal of Casper, who brings them heaping plates of what just looks like the best dessert ever. Um, add gummy worms to that, and I'm sold. <laughs> and when they do eat, it simply turns to mush in their bodies and falls to the floor these messy piles of waste. You know what, gross. It's icky. It, it, it gross. I mean, it's nasty. Yeah. I for real.
0: don't like it at all. <laughs> and it just, to me, I'm also like, you, the ADHD in me is like, you go to all that trouble to make all that food. And the ghost can't ingest it. No. It's just getting dumped on the floor. I guess
1: they just taste it. And that's the whole point.
0: If they can, even. Or
1: they just make him do it for the hell of ghost it. Ghost
0: physics, man.
1: They also sleep, apparently. So what do we know?
0: We know nothing. I don't
1: know anything. This is a
0: whole new world.
1: <laughs> No whole new world. A whole new afterlife. <laughs>
0: hey,
1: what the hell do you think you're doing, bald bed? This boy used to be dirty enough to eat off. Of. But we have company. Oh, yeah? Well, company loves misery. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> well, they bully Casper, as usual. So Cat comes to his defense. And all parties resort to name-calling and insults. Reminds me a little bit of our previous president. <laughs> Just a little bit.
0: It's what you do. Company loves misery, though, you know.
1: Dr. Harvey quickly sends her off to school and tries to level with the trio, who respond by, I think, defecating on him. Mm-hmm. I can't tell. It, is, it looks different from the vomit. That was the
0: vibe. That was the vibe. hmm Yeah.
1: Let's go ahead and quickly address the school Halloween dance storyline. Watch it! Kat goes to school, and we meet the blonde bully duo. Hey,
0: Amber, wait up! Jessica Wesson plays Amber Whitmire. Nice. You will probably recognize her as a '90s kid, like I do, as Brad's girlfriend Jennifer from Home Improvement, hmm. or Corey's brief girlfriend Wendy from Boy Meets World. And no. those were two of her pretty few, relatively few credits. Wow. Vic DiFelipe, Cat's Crush, is played by Garrett Ratliff hinson He had a few big credits, actually. Um, he's Guy from The Mighty Ducks, even reprising his role recently. Oh, okay. He was in the Adventures of Huck Finn and Arachnophobia. Oh, wow. To name a few.
1: I never saw that.
0: I never did either, but I hear about it all the time. It gets referenced in a lot of things.
1: As the teacher says, the asbestos removal from the gymnasium is taking longer than expected, <laughs> so they don't have a venue for their annual Halloween dance. RBF Amber says they can use her parents' boathouse, but when the class learns that Kat lives in Whipstaff Manor, the place so notoriously haunted that they would dare each other to sneak in after dark to take a picture as proof that they were there. That place is where they should have their Halloween dance.
0: Mm-hmm. Seems to be conveniently in walking distance of Marshwood Junior High, so.
1: Apparently so. Instead of just agreeing that it's a great idea, RBF Amber takes it upon herself to humiliate and terrify Cat at whatever cost necessary. Her plan for humiliation takes the form of forcing Handsome Vic to ask Kat to basically go to the dance with him. And Kat says yes, because she has a crush on him. And he seems like a nice enough kid, but he real dumb for listening to RBF Hamburg. Yeah. and like, I guess her intention is for the two of them to just not show up, because what they're going to do instead is scare everyone by dressing up as the most terrifying thing that these kids have ever seen. and. Ruin the party. It's
0: kind of half-baked.
1: So, I don't know, but that comes later.
0: Kind of half-baked. Also- Pretty epic. It's your first day at a new school, and suddenly the whole class is trying to make you have the Halloween dance, the school dance- So
1: much peer pressure. At
0: your house. And the, and the teacher's just, just like, into. cool with
1: it. The teacher's like, yeah, yeah let's just- the
0: teacher's just... like, yeah, this makes sense. We definitely should have it there. No
1: questions asked.
0: Mm-mm. Again, because the parents just fade to the background <laughs> when you need them to.
1: But the main thing is- we need this school Halloween dance storyline, especially at Webstaff, because it's the magic and the romance of the dance itself, along with Kat's crush on Handsome Vic, that motivates Casper to really put the moves on Kat in his desperate attempts to win her affections and keep her for his own. And with that, I think it's time we go all in for this true blue teenage romance storyline get the tissues ready (laughs) y'all it's my favorite storyline it is the storyline after making cats breakfast for her first day of school casper follows her to class a little bit stalkery a little bit and while she's being laughed at by her new peers casper is tying all of their shoelaces together (laughs) so when the bell eventually rings and everybody gets (laughs) up to leave they all fall down.
0: You get that quick cut. Yep, we all <laughs> fall down. It's just a smash cut after that. It's pretty funny. I did not
1: see it coming for... Even though I watched him tie all their shoelaces together, I was just distracted <laughs> when I first watched it. And dude, when they all hit the floor. <laughs> and then, when Handsome Vic comes to ask Kat to hang out at the party. If you're
0: not hooked up with anyone else. Wanna hang out if with me not, at the party? If you're
1: not hooked up with anybody. Casper jealously mimics him, mocks <laughs> him, and when, like says, <laughs> <out." I know. laughs> and when he says hang out, I know. And when he says hang out, Casper pretends to hang himself with mm, a noose.
0: He does. That's pretty dark.
1: But Casper has other moves.
0: Come on, we have a great time together. Casper, I have a date. What's this big guy got that I don't know? When
1: he can't convince Cat that he's a good dancer, and doesn't need a costume, and is always the life of the party.
0: Maybe the afterlife of the party. And
1: hey, he turns into a Schwarzenegger Superman. Come with me if you want to live. And then flies her off to the lighthouse to gaze out over the moonlit gulf of Maine.
0: Even though it's a romantic gesture, she says no, she resists him this whole time, and he's putting her in peril just so he can be the one to save her.
1: And I don't like those implications
0: in 2023. I just don't love them.
1: Right, from a 2023 lens, some of this is a bit problematic. Less cool. But like to me, this gives me a real like, I can show you the world like vibe. Oh, absolutely. You know, it does. If Aladdin was Cinderella, essentially.
0: If Aladdin was Cinderella? Yeah. I'm trying to make that work.
1: Cuz he's cooking and cooking and cleaning up oh. after them and then he gets the whole fairy godmother at the end oh. with the being turned into oh, a human. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. If
0: Aladdin was Cinderella? If
1: Aladdin was Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> I got some smarts. I got some thoughts. <laughs> I they was might be trying drunken make- hair-brained ideas. I was like, but
0: Cat Cinderella if Does that make who's Jasmine and where is a boo?
1: (laughs) No. Mm -mm. It's not that complicated. It's very, very
0: simple. Oh, honey.
1: But before we get to all that, I have to point out that that wasn't actually Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice. It was an impersonation by Jess Harnell. He was the voice actor for Wacko Warner in the Animaniacs. He was Crash Bandicoot. And he voiced Ironhide and Barricade in a few of the Michael Bay Transformers movies. He was the announcer for America's Funniest Home Videos for a while in the 90s. Whoa. He voiced Br'er Rabbit in Splash Mountain. Dang. And he became the singing voice of The Father in the Carousel of Progress in 1993. So every time we've heard that, it's been this guy.
0: Oh my God. For our whole lives, it's been him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! I knew you'd like that.
0: There's a great big beautiful tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow shining, shining at, at the end of every day. day. There's a great big beautiful, beautiful tomorrow. tomorrow, and tomorrow is just a dream away.
1: <laughs> he also voiced. Man
0: has a dream.
1: He voiced Fatso in season three of the Spooktacular Adventures of Casper.
0: Ah, uh, he picked up the Fatso mantle. Yeah, I was gonna make a joke there, and then I was like, "There's no funny joke." To <laughs> So
1: He picked up the the fat.
0: <laughs> the fat. Like, uh, yuck. Why? Would I, why? Uh.
1: And right here, halfway through the movie, is where they evolve the romance storyline into Casper remembering his past and ultimately how he died. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that whole thing was its own storyline, but it comes full circle within the true blue teenage romance storyline. So we're going to mm-hmm. keep it nice and tidy.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: At the lighthouse, cat asks Caps. Cat asks Casper. God, it's a hard word, it's hard phrase.
0: Cat, it is really hard. Cat asks Casper.
1: Cat asks
0: c- 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 Casper All the sounds Caps- c- c- are the same.
1: At the lighthouse, Cat asks Caps. Capsper. God! Oh Capsper. Oh, Capsper, I love you. Capsper. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna man. get it. I've been reading a lot.
0: I believe in you. I've been
1: enunciating a lot I of ghost story you. words. I've been get. I've been getting after it. You can do it. I can do this. People are gonna be so impressed.
0: Say it five times fast, mm, listener. Mm, mm. I'd like to see you try.
1: Oh, Capsper, What are we doing <laughs> on the lighthouse? Is that not it? All right. <clears throat> I'm be real serious about this. This is very serious stuff.
0: Oh, of course. It's yeah. Halloween. Death. Super serious.
1: At the lighthouse, cat asks Casper what he was like when he was alive. Mm-hmm. But he can't remember anything at all. Not his school, his parents, nothing. And I feel like this concept was such a haunting thought oh, yeah. for a lot of kids.
0: Big time. Big because time. the idea
1: of not knowing those things, of just yep. drifting out into the abyss without anything and anyone, no friends, alone, forever. Yep, That is a nightmare scenario it is. for anyone. But it's Casper's. Reality.
0: No wonder he's so friendly. And
1: this lonely existence has been at the core of the Casper story for like 80 years now. Mm-hmm. He's searching for a friend because he needs something to hold on to, to ground him. Other ghosts in this universe find fulfillment in scaring people, but that doesn't work for Casper.
0: Never been his thing.
1: He needs something more. He needs something that ghosts can't actually have companionship. And in this way, Casper represents existential dread so much more than most other characters and scenarios from our childhoods. Amen. Because his fate may very well be what awaits all of us when we die.
0: Mm.
1: Just alone. It's a lot. And lonely.
0: It's a lot.
1: You know what that reminds me of? Mike Flanagan's Hill House. Just... The oh, whole Theo and Nell. I
0: knew you were gonna say story that. Storyline there. Yeah, I think about that at least once a day. My Roman Empire, for one thing, is Theodora Crane.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah, that whole relationship and all of those characters are very, very haunting to me because it is that idea of the abyss mm-hmm. when you feel and see that abyss. It's the
1: darkness and the empty and nothing. We make
0: lots of jokes about it because we have to. We have to. Um it's very closely There's tied no to way. just all of my core fears. Honestly. Yeah,
1: I've been rewatching that. I've been researching Casper. I've been doing the thirteen Alabama Ghost uh series, the Ghost Story series on Patreon. I've been all up in ghost stories.
0: And that's a lonely place lately. Sometimes. And
1: it's been great fun. It's been it's fun. But it has yeah, there are times when I'm like, man, this is <laughs> this is sad. <laughs> <laughs> This is a lot.
0: Welcome to our podcast. That's That's why we're doing all this
1: with you guys, though. That's why we have the podcast and we're doing it with each other. You're never
0: alone, you know?
1: Yeah, so that we don't feel as alone.
0: We haven't said that in a while, but I think listeners deserve a reminder.
1: Hey, you guys- You're never really alone. You're never really alone. Which brings us to the moment of quintessential adolescent romantic aspirations, as Kaylin put it last time, (laughs) the epitome of childhood longing. And heartache kind of having spent an evening of wonder and magic together cat is lying in bed with casper floating nearby they're talking about their parents and growing up oh and life and death this. and casper speculates that maybe the reason he can't remember anything is because just cause when you're a ghost you anymore, so you
0: forget and then of course because of all this logic and the life-and-death conversation that has come up between them. Mm-hmm. Cat-ass Casper. If my mom's a ghost, did she forget about me? No. She'd never forget you. It's probably also really heavy for kids watching, anybody that's lost a parent or a loved one, because mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to imagine as well. You know, you picture it happening to yourself in The Floating in the Abyss, but then it's a whole nother layer of drama to imagine a loved one not remembering you
1: yeah but cat begins to doze off while they're talking casper has been putting on a brave face making fun of handsome vic and making jokes about the dance and we begin to realize just how much it actually pains him that he can't go to the dance with Kat. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
1: because he asks
0: if i were alive would you go to the halloween dance with me
1: Followed by the question.
0: Can, can I
1: keep you? So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, hitting, it's hitting a lot of different nerves, right, for us this spooky season, but in general. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, it always has. This is a very, very big quote.
1: It means a lot of things to different people.
0: I think there are a lot of ways to feel it. These are just big feelings.
1: Admittedly. When looking at this line from a 2023 perspective, almost 30 years later, the whole keeping you element does have kind of a creepy vibe to it. We're learning that nobody belongs to anyone else, not even if you're in a relationship. Yep. Even when it comes to having pets, people are starting to feel weird about saying they own their pet. Yeah. Like, If anything, we joke about like, we're their human, they chose us. Right. We're sort of inching away from that kind of... Approach to things. Yeah. Things that are living. To
0: to things in general. Biological things. Yeah, because it feels better to just exist together.
1: It does. It sure does.
0: Without that paradigm.
1: But Casper isn't human anymore. He's a ghost. Right. And to keep something means to have it, to own it, Mm -hmm. to possess it. Mm -hmm. And what can possess something or someone? (laughs) A spirit. A ghost. Yeah.
0: I also take it. A little bit, too, after this conversation about, you know, he's forgetting his life and he's floating away from all the things that used to matter to him. They Mm -hmm. suddenly don't anymore. He has that transient way about him that is ghostly. Yeah. And so I think by asking, can I keep you? It's like the way that we might want to hang on to a memory. Right. Or a memento or to relive that childhood innocent mm-hmm. you know first date or night of just fun and wonder and whimsy and yeah, I would agree keep it for what it is not so much can I keep you can I own you can I possess you right it's not yet but more so not
1: quite to that extreme
0: I want to keep this memory close mm-hmm. and judging by the vast majority of what I've seen on the internet in the last couple of weeks most people take it that way as well yeah. Because can I keep you, you know, as a literal phrase is kind of, ugh. Yeah, but can I keep you as a sentimental phrase and like a sentiment mm-hmm. is the epitome of romance, whether you're a kid or whether you're grown or whether you're six feet under, <laughs> <laughs> can I keep you is a very, very strong connotation to me and very like... Beautiful, because it's like, I just want to keep you. I want to keep this with you. I want to hold on to this forever. I have had that feeling, and it's like nothing else. Mm -hmm. And I imagine it's even more emphasized when you're a ghost. Yeah. And similarly, and I won't harp on this, but I'm sure there are some listeners out there that can relate. Similarly, when you have a chronic illness— Or you're somebody that's going through an illness or a a period of not being able to do what you want to do. You can't live the life you want to live. You feel almost like you're a ghost watching life kind of pass you by Mm -hmm. because the opportunities and the things that you once could do, the physical abilities that you once had, when you don't have them anymore and you're watching life pass you by, you want to be able to keep it.
1: Mm -hmm. You're like it becomes a living memory. Yeah. Already. While it's happening.
0: While it's happening, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially, I think, for, you know, in Casper's case, he knows while he's having fun that it's not going to last. He can't last. Because of what he is and, and who he is.
1: <laughs> we all know what happened to Ferdy.
0: <laughs> we know, we know what, what it was like for poor Ferdy. But I, oh, it's just very heavy for me, especially right now. Because it's a very, very important thing that we acknowledge that, you know, these lives that want to be lived so desperately. Mm-hmm. And that some folks just can't. Like me, sometimes
1: to speak to this in like a, like a literal sense for Casper, I'm going to speak way more to this when we get to his father. Mm-hmm. But everything he loves, he outlives it. Yes. So it's like eventually, cat will be nothing more than a memory, right? A dream he had. Mm-hmm. Was she real? Was she not? He doesn't know because he's so, still alone. It's
0: the paradigm and the paradox of the fact that he is transient, he is not grounded, but also mm-hmm. he is eternal. Yeah. That idea that it's going to continue. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's eternal is almost what makes it so transient because in reality, Kat and James and everyone else, they are the transient ones and Casper's the one that's going to stick around. He's the one so that yeah, sticks around. It flips back and forth and uh, it's pretty dark for a kid's movie. It's <laughs> so <laughs> heavy. Say.
1: Oh my God. He's so wholesome and like all he wants is a friend. And I've like you were saying, this is like some of the purest love depicted in the 90s. Yes. Just wanting to hold on to someone as though yep. it's the best thing that ever happened to you, this memory that you have. Yep. And I've been doing that a lot with this podcast. Uh, not gonna lie, like getting really deeply into these core memories. I will come out of a research bench almost like a stupor. Yeah. And I'll realize I'm in my 30s.
0: I know. It's weird. I've kind of done the same thing. It's
1: been hard at times, Mm -hmm. for real.
0: I've kind of done the same thing because you get so deep in those feelings that you had when you were a kid. You're remembering
1: watching it when you were seven or whatever and how it felt. Or just what
0: it brought up for you, yeah, as a kid. And you have that mentality for a second. And yeah, snapping Mm -hmm. back to reality in adulthood is pretty wild because you're like, yeah, no, wait, I'm in my thirties and I'm, you know, living a completely different life than that kid. I did the exact same thing very recently. So in all of my health issues this past couple of weeks, I had a surgery. And after my surgery, I was at my parents' house. And I There were yearbooks on the shelf. Oh. And so I just pulled down a yearbook or two and I started looking at my yearbooks. And when you start like zoning in on that. I could not do that. I was reading the yearbooks, like taking pictures, sending them. I'm really close to, thankfully, three of my best friends from high school, but I've known them. Forever. I've known them forever and ever. And seeing pictures of them in the yearbook and like remembering things like they were part of things that I didn't remember that they were there for Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so I was just sending them like photos of the yearbook for like a couple hours that day <laughs> and when I got done doing that I was like I had a whole existential thing where I was like yeah. that's not even my life anymore it is but it isn't you know what I mean
1: right the, the memories become so tangible Visceral and like yeah
0: yeah I wonder if any listeners if you have experiences like that going through these things that you you know knew so well as a child when you get to take a break and listen I mean yeah you us. guys are all
1: watching this stuff yeah too yeah it's a lot. It's heavy. And also, I'm I'm looking at this Casper as though he is the same Casper who's been around for 80 years. Yeah. He has this whole existence of trying to make friends and failing. It's she's really the one of the first times that someone hasn't run away screaming. Mm-hmm. She's giving him time, asking him questions about himself. Yeah. Trying to get to know him.
0: He, she's giving him a chance.
1: Yeah. And he's like, this is the best it's ever gonna get.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Like the idea that this is the best, this is the closest he's ever been to a person in his afterlife. Mm -hmm. And he still can't get as close as he wants to be.
1: Can't, yeah. You know
0: what I mean? That, like, oh my God. There's a
1: reason why these kinds of stories leave these impressions on us. I mean, Tuck Everlasting was heartbreaking. Oh yeah. And that led to Twilight.
0: Bridge to Terabithia.
1: We love the idea of someone so timeless immortal like what's the word it's not like star-crossed no
0: star-crossed is a good way to put it i think yeah. that is one of my like <clears throat> in everything i read and write and whatever like that star-crossed mm-hmm. could have been can't be like that mismatched yeah you, you almost want it more because it can't happen
1: but yeah you want what you can't have
0: yeah right and this is a case of that i think on some level
1: mm-hmm. for
0: casper and for cat i would say but i love it <laughs> <laughs>
1: It is pretty great.
0: I'll always love it because it it captures that. It's beautiful. That feeling and it hurts. <laughs> it's beautiful and it hurts, and that's uh, a beauty with no melancholy. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> we because <both did. laughs> you say uh, it. I can imagine no beauty in which there is no melancholy, or I can't imagine a beauty in mm. which there is no melancholy. Something like that. Yeah.
1: There it is. That's us. Uh, that's pretty dark. Favorite quote. Well, cat yeah. is also the sweetest because she decides that she's going to help Casper remember what it was like to be alive. She finds a bunch of his old toys and things in the attic and surprises him with it. And it works! (laughs) Just like that. And he gives her one of his mom's old dresses. And this is the scene you talked about that was so complicated to film. Mm -hmm.
0: Very, very complicated, because it's a real object of CGI character.
1: And a human being. a a live actor, yeah. (laughs) A lot of moving parts. But this all leads to the next tearjerker, because Casper doesn't just remember being alive. He remembers how he died. Casper McFadden died from pneumonia after ignoring his father's warnings to come in out of the cold. But Casper, always fun-loving, kept playing with the sled his father made for him. I got sick. Dad got sad. We also learn That the only reason Casper is still here is because he stayed behind to keep his father company. But it would appear that when his father died, he himself moved on, leaving Casper behind. The bastard. So logically, when his father died, Casper's business should have been finished. Yeah. But he never crossed over for some reason. Mm -hmm. So his fate is to dwell on Earth forever, always searching for companionship. The only problem is, when they die, they never stay behind with him.
0: Yeah, except for Ferdy.
1: (laughs) In that one instance, yes. (laughs) But where's Ferdy now?
0: (laughs) But where is Ferdy now?
1: He's seeing the world. He'll be back. (laughs) The other kicker here is that Casper's father, after confessing to the world that he was being haunted by his dead son's ghost, was deemed legally insane before, I guess, being institutionalized. But there might be a very good reason for why people thought he was crazy. (laughs) And it has everything to do with the Lazarus. Yes. The machine at the dead center of this plot. The
0: dead center of the plot.
1: Here's where things get real 90s and real wonky.
0: McFadden claimed that he was haunted by the ghost of his dead son, and that he invented a machine to bring him back to life. The Lazarus.
1: Lazarus, of course, is the name of the character in the Bible that Jesus brought back to life from the dead. Yes. And I think this is just an oh-so-fitting construct in a Halloween movie, because we learned last year in our History of Halloween series, Halloween, as a holiday, exists because of the Celtic belief in the afterlife, meeting the Catholic hope in the resurrection. It's a conglomeration of many ancient beliefs that death must occur so that life itself can be reborn. So, while I may have some issues with the Lazarus machine itself, I do really appreciate its placement at the center of a Halloween classic. Mm -hmm. Because not only that, but Celtic Samhain, a.k.a. Catholic All Hallowtide, is a liminal period of time where the spirits of the dead are temporarily allowed to return to the land of the living because the veil is so thin. Yes. But I can literally talk about that for six hours. (laughs)
0: We know, we know. So, I'm
1: going to reroute back to the movie.
0: But- it's like Casper says, but yin and yang of death and life. What's it like to die? Like being born, only backwards.
1: Life and death and death and life.
0: Oh, oh! <laughs> get me out of
1: that
0: Just a hair between them. Casper
1: knows about that. It's
0: my favorite movie, Elizabethtown.
1: Oh, Casper knows about that. He
0: does. <sighs> Sorry, I guess
1: we'll have to take the long way. The Up and Atom Mission. <laughs> Which is how they get down to the Lazarus in the laboratory in the basement. Is the coolest thing I could have possibly imagined as a kid.
0: Very Haunted Mansion. Very I'm Haunted shocked, Mansion. shocked, that Universal never did a Casper ride.
1: I am too. Or maybe
0: they did and I just, I don't think you know, so. missed that boat, but...
1: I've always wanted to ride it. I had the same thought you had. Of all the secret passageways and sliding bookshelves and rotating walls... This amusement park ride through the house was the apex of mysterious mansion secrets for me. It's a big one. I always said that one day I'd have this kind of secret chair ride in my future house.
0: I can see you building one. (laughs) You just get obsessive about it. You see all the
1: pinched fingers and the... (laughs) Yeah. Go
0: ahead. Sit
1: down. So Kat sits in this lounge chair. I would hold on. Why? And Casper tugs on a tassel hanging from the nearby lampshade. The chair shoots down the balcony, turns a 360 degrees, if not a little bit more, and descends down the flattened steps of the spiral staircase.
0: Totally haunted mansion. Where the
1: floor opens up and she plunges into the depths below.
0: They stole that from Disney.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And for no reason at all, the underground tunnel behaves like a ghost train ride at an amusement park. With strobe lights and spooky sound effects. Really funny. There are flashing light bulbs, and electrical apparatuses, and doohickeys and thingamabobs, not to mention the cheap car wash version of a morning routine with the mechanical teeth brushing, the shaving cream, the slicing razor blades. Mr.
0: JT, getting ready for work. My dad was a great inventor, but he had a little trouble getting going in the morning. Didn't he ever hear of caffeine?
1: (laughs) Just like the big water slide at the end of Goonies, I've always wanted to ride the up and machine especially when the track curves down into the lab over these blue pools of underground cavern water and the chair comes to a full stop at the desk, covered in books and papers and gadgets and gizmos. Aplenty. A plenty. Well, they look around for the lever that will reveal the Lazarus, and I thought it was extremely smart and fitting that the switch is hidden inside of a hollowed-out copy of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. This detail speaks volumes to the self-awareness of not only the creators working on this movie, but also the self-awareness of Casper's father. See, they're acknowledging the level of maturity that this would bring to the film. But at the same time, it says a lot about McFadden's trepidation, his fear, and also his crazed desperation. This one simple choice and this one scene Reveals that McFadden carried a weighty burden, something heavier than any human had ever carried before.
0: Playing God. And
1: maybe the distress of it all did, in fact, drive him insane. We've had a few people write to us this past week about how Casper's death and how his father went insane because of it, quote unquote insane, really bothered them Mm -hmm. and stuck with them for a long time.
0: I can see why. It's pretty dark.
1: These are the kinds of details that left a mark in our generation, for better or worse. Because one of the only takeaways here is that Casper, as a kid, chose to live life to the fullest and it killed him. Yes. His genius inventor father, in his grief, chose love over the status quo and he was committed for it. Yep. These are commentaries not only on the cruelty of life but also on the narrow-mindedness of society, Mm -hmm. pointing out how adventurousness and individualism are too often met by punishment and consequences.
0: Persecution.
1: Persecution. The Lazarus looks like this antique submersible. Like an old diving bell, maybe. Something like that. It does. And that's because it was submerged in the waters of this underground cavern. Why? I don't know, but it's mysterious and cool.
0: Because water makes it feel...
1: Like an evil layer <laughs> of a mad scientist. I, I was about to
0: say, we just imagine the caverns, the dripping sound is always there. You know, there's always water deep in a cavern, mm-hmm. so checks out
1: definitely what's that like what was that old superhero cartoon where the evil all the evil people would meet in the underground lair under the water mm. it was submerged yeah.
0: uh-huh. what was that when you're saying it <laughs> all I can picture is mermaid man and barnacle boy and obviously <laughs> and obviously my my Ooh. mind is like you're done <laughs> what are you what is this here
1: it's what makes the whole thing work kind of an instant primordial soup mix. It's what brings goes back to life. Just enough for one. Cat finds a bottle, a carafe or a flask or something, full of a red liquid, which Casper calls an instant primordial soup mix. (laughs) It looks like paraffin or red Kool-Aid. Well, Casper wants to use the Lazarus because he believes that if he were human, Cat would go to the dance with him. Yeah, Casper...
0: just wants a friend. just wants a friend. He just wants to go on a date with a pretty girl that he likes.
1: Me too. (laughs) So he slips inside for a trial run.
0: And he wants her to, like, try to make it work. He's telling her to, like, give it a try, whatever. And she's like, (laughs) I couldn't even get my easy-bake oven to work. (laughs) Who could Uh, among us? Who could? We all ate it anyway.
1: But the plan is foiled by the villainous duo. Continuing their dumb shit treasure hunt storyline. This results in Casper turning into a giant soupy egg, sunny side up.
0: Gross.
1: Wait, what? Which Cat previously said kind of makes me yak.
0: Same, Cat, Same.
1: See, unbeknownst to Casper and Cat, Kerrigan and Dibs have followed them down into the laboratory. And the only reason they're in the house to begin with is because of a key arc within the ghost grief counseling storyline. <laughs> So they're all beginning to reconverge here.
0: See, it all connects. I swear I say that every episode and there's like one person that knows what I'm talking about.
1: That's me. I'm the one person. (laughs) So let's be kind, rewind for a moment and catch ourselves back up with Dr. Harvey and the ghostly trio. Okay. Leaving the breakfast scene from earlier. Dr. Harvey convinces the trio to meet with him in the study, I guess whatever room that is. They're going through his boxes and destroying his things and they find a picture of his wife, Amelia.
0: Here we are. This
1: one. They claim to know her as a ghost, and after he asks if they have any way of contacting her, Stretch sends Fatso to go find her.
0: Fatso, you know where Amelia floats, go!
1: A moment later, there are three knocks on these double doors, which are emitting an ethereal pale light and wisps of ghostly vapor. I think it's for you, Ben. Dr. Harvey opens the doors to find Fatso in drag with an updo and enormous jiggly jugs. And he kisses Dr. Harvey on the lips. A very Bugs Bunny Mm, thing to do. Very Bugs Bunny. But the entire production committed to this bit. Like, even the music went hard for this. Mm-hmm. All signs pointed to yes, that his his wife was going to be there.
0: Yep. It was very I convincing. I couldn't quite remember how the scene went, and I was not fully convinced that it would be a joke.
1: Right. For a second, I was like, oh, yeah, she does show up, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and then I, that was me, too. I was like, in my memory, I do see her, so- yeah. I guess we see her and then I was like, oh, of course I was I was fooled by the ghostly trio
1: We were all fooled
0: for shame All of us and once it was revealed that it was a joke It kind of bothered me because they really played on his emotions. They clearly oh, yeah, they acted very Um empathetic for just a moment and I feel like that's the line where a joke goes too far Because they they know how much this means to him Of course, they're bad guys. So what do you expect? Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: but They're the ghostly trio. They're always pulling pranks. But that's a key element of this arc here with Dr. Harvey. It's
0: kind of the turning point. Is
1: that this actually gets to him. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't really seem himself after this scene. We get a little brief filler scene with him and Kat, where she asks him about buying a new Halloween costume. And he's not really taking it very seriously. I will look nice. Like, date nights. Really? (laughs) And this gets his attention. For the first time in probably days, he looks at her like, wait a minute. Things are happening I'm not aware of.
0: Mm -hmm. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, I got to parent my kid for a second.
1: (laughs) So I mention all this because I think it's so funny. When she says it's a little late to be having the talk. And he just looks at her.
0: And says, how late?
1: (laughs) How late? And she says, don't
0: worry, not that late.
1: (laughs) I just thought his facial expression was perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. I wrote I that how, down.
1: I don't know how you direct that moment. You just kind of have to do that over and over until you nail that cuz that yeah. that expression but is the, just The
0: expression, I mean, that's it's every parent's like as hell. moment of horror mixed with concern, like it's mm-hmm. there's a lot you have to play in one beat.
1: And he's like trying to hold that smile like If I hold this long enough. And he wants to be cool with it. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) He he needs to put on a brave face and uh, parent through it.
1: (laughs) It's all really nice comic relief, especially because the trio is singing, It's my party and I'll die Die if if I
0: want to. to.
1: (laughs) Pretty macabre for a kid's movie, though. It is. I'll say that much. But the next time we see Dr. Harvey and the ghostly trio together, he's trying his hand at a bit of reverse psychology. As much as the trio taunt him, he says nothing. He gives them nothing. In return, boys, this is serious. I think the doc is having one of them fleshy breakdowns. Time for drastic measures. To cheer him up, they literally take him to happy hour. They do (laughs) at some karaoke bar.
0: Karaoke and drunk Dr. Harvey, which is not something I remember at all. I do very much. Maybe my parents fast-forwarded that part.
1: Maybe because he was drinking. Mm -hmm. It is always surprising to see this kind of stuff in movies that are rated PG.
0: It's in so many of them.
1: This is an outrage. This is a porn. You pay a man to get the ghost out of a house, and what does he do? He gets the ghost out of the house. Exactly. And when they leave the house, this is when Kerrigan and Dibbs sneak in and follow Kat and Casper down into the laboratory. But here's the thing. Dr. Harvey is actually quite despondent, like we were saying. And he overindulges a bit too much with the boys, who realize they like him so much, they try to murder him. Mm Mm-hmm so that they can become the ghostly quartet.
0: It's a whole different kind of can I keep you. I
1: know. And I do like it. It is funny, if not brutal. But after he drunkenly melts on them... I'm going to tell that Miss <laughs> Critten Kitten... Uh, Critten Cut. I'm going to tell that lady.
0: It's like me saying her name. You aren't
1: going anywhere. It's your house. You're haunting it. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. No, they realize yes. they can't kill him, because yes. he's their greatest asset at this point. An advocate. But Dr. Harvey, reaffirming his decision to booze it until they lose it, accidentally walks out into a construction zone and promptly falls down an open manhole uh, to his death.
0: Yeah, that's pretty dark. Pretty f- it, it kind of comes out of left field, too, because it's once yeah. you realize that he's safe, that he's no longer safe.
1: Just when the tides turn every time something goes wrong in that life, though. Mm. Ain't that just life? That's life. Ain't that the way it is? It's what the people say. And this is where all the storylines converge officially. We're here. The students have all arrived for the Halloween dance, and they're getting things going upstairs while there's a whole bunch of shenanigans going on down in the laboratory in the basement with the Lazarus machine. Mm-hmm. Since Casper has now pointed out that there's a steel vault built into the That's, wall yeah. of the cavern. What about that? That? <laughs> That's the vault. Inside of which contains a treasure of sorts. The villainous duo concoct the most dumb shit idea I've ever heard. Yeah. If this red Kool-Aid stuff can turn a ghost back into a human, then all they have to do is die, turn into a ghost, ransack the vault. And then be turned back into a human using the Lazarus. A snap, crack will pop—you back alive and on your way to the Riviera.
0: Yeah, I was—I was like, they're going to be their own undoing. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a villain thing, you know. You give your monologue, and you you die, and then you, you come back in the Lazarus machine. <laughs> like, I don't know. It it did feel very much like. Okay, that was convenient, but- Very convenient. It's a kid's movie. What are you going to do?
1: But the part that I don't get here is that the machine working is a given. Like, if the machine was ever going to work, Mr. McFadden would have turned Casper back into a human decades ago.
0: Also what I kept thinking. Right? He would already, he would be a kid. He would be dead, but has a kid. We, did we know when he died, what the year was? We don't
1: know the year. We just know it was at least when Duke Snyder was alive.
0: I was going to say that too. I forgot it's written down as well.
1: I'm assuming he died 80 years ago. Okay. So back in the 90s, 50 years ago. Yeah. I'm assuming it was been 50 years.
0: I would buy that. Because- I would buy that. That
1: submersible whole thing- Looks like it's from the 1800s, if not the early 1900s. But you're right. Like you said, the villainous duo dispose of themselves, more or less, because they can't decide which of them should die and become the test subject for the Lazarus.
0: Damn it, damn it. They're fighting over, yeah, who will test the elixir?
1: And the way they do this is this extremely brutal Looney Tunes-esque sequence. Looney Tunes. Where they're trying to murder each other. Yes. Garrigan ends up plunging to her death off the cliffside, returning as an enormous bitch. I mean an enormous <laughs> ghost. Hey,
0: her words, not yours. Fast, little man. Bitch back.
1: I can't believe I was
0: flabbergasted. They said the word bitch
1: at least twice in this movie.
0: Flabbergasted, yeah.
1: And of course, after Dibs grows a measly spine and gives her the old you, your dad, I'm rich spiel. This is one thing I've learned from you it's always kick them when they're down. And baby, you're six feet under. Oh what a shame! She punches him to death out the window. I mean, mm-hmm. what a way to go!
0: Yeah, that was silly. To Real me. quick
1: fix. I mean, as geez. if
0: I had bought everything beforehand. Yeah, as though everything else was super. This believable. is now too goofy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they leaned into the cartoon element mm-hmm. heavy um, with the the villainous duo for sure. Mm-hmm. And using another example of reverse psychology in this film, Casper cleverly convinces Kerrigan that she has. No unfinished business. Good to go. Meaning she can't remain here on the earthly plane and thus crosses over in a very dramatic explosion of light and glitter, it would seem.
0: Got her with semantics again.
1: Gotcha, bitch! (laughs) And Casper is just about to achieve his greatest desire and become human again when the ghostly quartet arrives. Revealing to Cat that her father... Is now a ghost.
0: And what a way to find out that your dad's dead. He
1: did. Like, he died. Like, he gone.
0: Have him float in. Yeah. As part of a quartet. (laughs) I mean, afterlife psychiatrist, afterlife quartet.
1: And it's just so odd to me, though, that Kerrigan could remember pretty much everything, but James Harvey can't even remember Cat. Maybe it's because he was so drunk and died unexpectedly.
0: Maybe this is a hungover ghost thing.
1: Perhaps, perhaps. But
0: yeah, I, my my logic for her remembering was that it was so recent and quick. And with Casper, it's been 50 years. But yeah, it's tough to explain him not remembering his daughter.
1: And I also don't get why the new ghost looks so human when the others don't. don't.
0: It's over, over time they become more amorphous. I, maybe you're right. Ghosts just melt as they exist. Hey,
1: good logic, you know? I'll buy it.
0: Thanks. <laughs> I'm with you on that one.
1: Mm-hmm. Sold.
0: Yep, we're just buying and selling each other stuff back and forth Ooh, all That's day. The whole, the whole premise for this here podcast for
1: almost a decade now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This podcast and our lives.
1: Either way, it's all wrapped up in this humorous, charming, possibly even cozy '90s blanket. But the reality is that Cat is now an orphan living inside of an abandoned house, a haunted house, on desolate grounds in some foreign New England town where she knows nobody, has zero friends or relatives or anyone to look after her. She thought she was alone before, but now she's more alone than she ever thought possible. Level two. It's like Hill House, but with that comic 90 Sheen that we talked about before.
0: It's your house. You're haunting it. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Dr. Harvey. You need this more than I
1: do. So Casper, the sweetheart, the friendliest ghost you know, takes Dr. Harvey to use the Lazarus so Kat can have her dad back. Yep. Something Casper wishes he could have himself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And surprise, it works. James Harvey, once a ghost, has been resurrected on All Hallows' Eve, transformed using instant primordial Kool-Aid, <laughs> and returned to his human form. But... But... There's something I thought of while re-watching this movie as an adult... That was then confirmed by that slash film article I found and quoted earlier, or you quoted, the Lazarus uses the instant primordial soup mix to return ghosts to their human form. But Dr. Harvey's original body is still lying lifeless in the sewers or the underground tunnels underneath that construction site. Ick. From the article, Kaylin will read.
0: (laughs) Just to make sure we're all on the same page here the Lazarus machine reanimated the ghost of Dr. Harvey, but his fleshy corpse is still at the bottom of a manhole. (laughs) So while the movie ends with Dr. Harvey dancing around and having a good old time with his daughter and their ghostly pals, his actual born-of-this-earth body is rotting away in some sewer in front of a bar, (laughs) and some unsuspecting construction worker is going to have one hell of a Monday when they find it. (laughs) Better yet, when the cops show up at Whipstap... (laughs) Whipstap. Better yet, when the cops show up at (laughs) Whipst...
1: <laughs> at the Wiffle Ball Mansion, <laughs> Casper, you want to play whiffball Ball?
0: <laughs> Better yet, when the cops show up at Whipstaff to inform Cat that they found the dead body of her father, they're going to all have to be institutionalized when a very much alive Dr. Harvey answers the door.
1: <laughs> and then it turns into <laughs> freaking like a, a soap opera, and it's like his evil twin. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, you, no, you, it's you. No, who's the with the real Dr. James Harvey? Please stand, Please stand up. up. And one of them is just an accordion (laughs) to the floor, so.
1: Oh, I love it. God.
0: No, I, unlike you in this slash film article, Mm -hmm. um, choose to believe that uh, the primordial Kool-Aid is magic. Okay. And it simply restores the body that he had and the other body doesn't exist anymore.
1: Well, we all have our differences and we all have our beliefs. So
0: magic, so, So, you you know. Well,
1: the primordial soup wasn't magic when it made humans. So maybe it was, maybe that, I mean, science Science is magic. and magic. Okay.
0: I mean, sure. Will you buy it?
1: I was, I was much more on board (laughs) with the other thing you said (laughs) than this one. I, I, I tend to believe that it literally took the spirit, gave it flesh Mm -hmm. and now he's starting over as a new I get
0: that. I just uh, don't like it. So.
1: I don't like it. Well, I do kind of like it, but I don't like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Come on. You like it.
1: I'm a morbid SOB. We know. So despite Despite this horrifying reality that you choose to pretend doesn't exist, I mean, like we all do, Kat goes to her party.
0: Like you're calling any piece of this film reality.
1: The villainous duo are both very much dead, ending the dumb shit treasure hunt (laughs) storyline.
0: Yep, that one's over.
1: Dead and gone. Because as we learn, Casper's treasure is nothing more than a baseball signed by Duke Snyder of the Brooklyn Dodgers. What a sweet boy. Mm -hmm. And the blonde bully duo dress up in the scariest Halloween costume they can think of. But before they can execute, they're sabotaged by Dr. Harvey's new pals, the Ghostly Trio, doing what they do best, scaring the bejesus out of teenagers.
0: Never thought I'd say it, but thank goodness for the Ghostly
1: Trio. And we'll all be glad to emphasize that the blonde bully duo's storyline is the most anticlimactic, and I say good. That's the conclusion that bullies deserve, an anticlimactic disappointment, because that's all bullies are anyway. Here, hear. Go home, bullies, nobody likes you. Here, here. Get out of my house. Hear, here. <laughs> but the moment we've all been waiting for, Casper, having been so selfless and so noble and so friendly, is visited by, not a fairy godmother, but an angel.
0: But an actual
1: mother. And not just any angel but Amelia Harvey.
0: Amelia Harvey.
1: Cat's mother, James's wife. And because of his selflessness, not unlike Pinocchio.
0: I thought the same thing. Yeah. I said, but no blue fairy this time.
1: <laughs> she grants him his greatest wish, to be human, but only for a night. Sort of
0: a Cinderella deal. So I have until midnight? 10. Hey, Cinderella got until midnight. Cinderella wasn't 12 years old. Could have given him two more hours, Amelia.
1: It's just two hours. I mean, he's been dead for 80 she, years. Amelia's
0: like, nothing good happens after 10 p.m., okay? You can get back into your little ghost body and, <laughs> and keep haunting my daughter.
1: No, she's like, that's my daughter? Yeah. You don't lay a finger on her?
0: Right. Yeah. She's like, you get back in your little ghosty body.
1: It's 10 p.m.
0: Do you know where your Casper is?
1: <laughs> you know where your daughter is with Casper the ghost?
0: Do you want to hear about Amelia? I do. Amelia Harvey is played by Amy Brenneman. She starred in the 1996 movie Fear alongside Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark, and Marky Mark. Reese Witherspoon. That wow. movie is absolutely terrifying to me.
1: I need to watch it. I haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's. Uh, oh my God, it scares me so much. It's just too real, you know? Yeah, sure. Amy was uncredited as Miss Baudelaire. In the 2004 A Series of Unfortunate Events
1: Hmm, okay
0: Uh, She did 138 episodes of the show Judging Amy as Amy Gray And 111 episodes of Private Practice as Dr. Violet Turner Wow And she's still acting now or as of last year in shows like Shining Girls and The Old Man
1: So Casper, now in his human form, enters the Halloween party dressed like Thackeray (laughs) Bates.
0: Dead ringer for Thackeray live, <laughs> <for Thackery>
1: <laughs> live ringer for Thackeray Live ringer. Temporarily live ringer. Takes the hand of a lonesome cat, Harvey. Leads her to the dance floor. And slow dances to Remember Me This Way.
0: Remember Me This Way.
1: By Jordan Hill.
0: Remember Me remember, This Way. I have it in quotes <laughs> in my notes too. Remember Me This Way.
1: I was like, oh my god, um, of course.
0: Yeah, for all the reasons we discussed earlier Mm -hmm. With Casper, just the wistfulness because the longing. he's
1: finally accepted. He can't have it, but he
0: gets it for a night, which yet again, we get this one special night. We have this one night together and then it's over. Mm -hmm. It'll never be this way again, so remember me this way.
1: It's so damn magical. They even float.
0: The magic dust, there's a disco ball. Mm -hmm. The song just echoes in my mind, echoes and echoes. And the way... Casper looks at her. I know. A generation of girls and boys at this moment fell in love with Devin
1: Sawa. And I said last time. I knew he was famous. And you were like, I know. I'm in I was going to correct it. Dude's famous for other things.
0: He was famous for other things. Too. I know him from I other things. I was kind of making a joke because this was like the Devin Sawa moment.
1: My first thought was Wild America. Okay, thank you. Second, yeah. final destination. Correct. Thank you very much. Well,
0: you go ahead. How about if you have all these notes, why don't you? Those just are tell the us? only
1: two that I have.
0: Okay, well, lucky for you.
1: Also, Capsper.
0: Also, Capsper. I have his. Paragraph somewhere in here Here
1: (laughs) I don't have the notes And neither do you
0: (laughs) We talked earlier about Malachi Pearson Who voices Casper But usually when people reference The boy who played Casper They're talking about the young Canadian actor Devin Sawa who portrays Casper in his human form
1: Right Right
0: Devin grew up in the theater and he had a few roles before Casper, including uh, several 1993 Nerf commercials. Oh, my God. Yes. He rejoined Christina Ricci very yes. really soon after Casper to play Scott in Now and Then. OK. Um. Okay. Honestly, they may have been filming concurrently or Now and Then may have even filmed first. It's They both came out in 1995. So timelines are vague as far as I've read. But as Devin grew up, he chose edgier projects like Idle Hands, the role of Alex in Final Destination, and he was even in a couple of Eminem music videos. (laughs) Okay. He took on quite a few smaller roles throughout the 20-teens and has recently returned to acting with appearances on Hacks and 15 episodes of the Chucky TV series.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Okay.
0: And not to break hearts intentionally, but he's been married to his wife, Donnie, for over 10 years now.
1: So he does find love eventually. He does. I do feel like all I have wanted since... Watching this movie as a kid, as a little boy, all I've wanted is someone to love and care for Aww. the way that Casper loves Cat. Yeah. Even in that same innocent way, for like Yeah,
0: I did too. I mean, I, I just want that. Yeah. I still do. It's a very primal need to just, it's being understood and being able to understand.
1: And all the, just looking at all the times I was so in love with someone when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you don't really feel that the way you do when you're no. young.
0: You that never, passion,
1: yep. that it hurts where you think you're gonna die if you can't have it's it. Not,
0: you don't experience that love in the same way that you not do. To it's this it's a puppy love thing almost. Like, yeah. not to say that you can't be that in love with someone, but it's just—I'm
1: sure it happens. You experience
0: but. it differently as a kid when you've never felt these feelings before. Obviously, mm-hmm. that makes them that much more intense. Because
1: when you're a kid and you feel like you're eternal and you fe- you have no concept of growing older and dying, you don't yet. Mm-hmm. When you think you love someone, that's the only thing that exists. That's it is your love for that person. That's it. You don't know any different. And I mean, he's stuck I talk about in it this. a lot.
0: Like when a little kid says. This is the worst day ever. It, it may is. be the worst day ever to it them. It is like, the
1: worst day ever.
0: The relativity of all of it, like the more mm-hmm. experiences you have in life, it's a little easier to cope with feelings that are intense, like love or any other feeling, honestly. Yeah. But when you're a kid, you have nothing to compare it to. That's true. So it consumes you.
1: Mhm.
0: And I miss it.
1: I kind of miss it. Too. That
0: childlike wistful love.
1: And as it turns out, the ghostly trio made good on their offer to contact Amelia. And she gives Dr. Harvey some sage wisdom about raising a teenager. But most importantly, that he has to stop searching for her.
0: James, I know you've been searching for me. But there's something you have to understand.
1: You and Kat loved me so well when I was alive. But I have no unfinished business. Please don't let me be yours. That stuck with me too. I had a thought. That maybe that's kind of what they wanted to give Casper, but it would have been too depressing. Like, Mm -hmm. the reason why nobody ever stays behind with Casper when they die is because he loved them so much.
0: He loved them so well. That
1: when they die, they don't need to stay behind.
0: Nobody ever loved him enough.
1: Maybe. Maybe so.
0: But yeah, I do like her advice. Don't pick up the extension every time she gets a phone call. Don't ask her to wear a t-shirt under bathing suit. Hell yeah.
1: I like that because, you know, as we've said, it was written by women. And I feel like th- this was their chance to really go, you know, what is good advice that we could give here?
0: This was the America Ferrera Barbie monologue moment of Casper, if it gets one. <laughs> yeah. And I really appreciated it.
1: And the clock strikes 10, and just as Cat kisses Casper, he sadly turns back into a ghost. Boop. Uh-huh. Sending everyone screaming out of the house.
0: Because they've all been staring at them this whole time. I
1: know. Like one girl flips over the porch, banister. her <laughs> Oh, it's wild stuff. Scatter.
0: <laughs> also, Cat's in love with a dead kid. She is. And that's pretty dark.
1: I mean, what's different about Bella being in love with Edward? He's dead.
0: Nothing, but she's not because she's in love with Jacob and he's alive and red blooded wow. and he's alive. That's Damn also
1: it. true. But much like Beetlejuice, this movie ends on a high note. And I know we haven't covered Beetlejuice, but I think about it all the time. (laughs) With the ghostly trio performing the Casper the Friendly Ghost theme song. Actually performed by Little Richard.
0: An upbeat 90s song takes us out of the dance (laughs) that never really was because it got ruined by a ghost kid.
1: So to cap things off, allow me a few sappy words in conclusion.
0: I would love nothing more.
1: This movie may haunt our minds, but thanks to its existence, we've welcomed Casper as a permanent possessor of our hearts. (laughs) He may never actually know it, but Casper has found a friend in millions of people over the past eight decades.
0: Each and every one of us.
1: Generations of children have now loved Casper and wanted to keep him just as much as he'd want to in return. (laughs) So we need to keep telling Casper's story so as to not let him be forgotten, that he may continue to always be a friend to anyone who most needs one. He may be a ghost, but through us, and the traditions of stories and sharing things that we love with others, Casper will live forever.
0: Speaking of keeping his memory alive. Yeah. In the not too distant past, Peacock announced that it had entered development on a live action Casper series from writer and executive producer Kai Yu Wu, who did Hannibal and the Flash. Oh, hell yeah. It was officially described by the sc- screaming platform. Mm. The streaming platform as a horror adventure show that reimagines the origin of Casper in a coming of age story that explores what it means to be alive. Oh. It said the show would center around a family that moves to the sleepy hamlet of Eternal Falls to befriend the titular friendly apparition, and together the living and the not so living attempt to solve a mystery and uncover dark secrets that have been buried for over a century. Oh, I like it. Uh, both Brad Silberling and Steven Spielberg have kept a close eye on the project these last few years, um, and Spielberg actually signed off on. Was pitch for the show.
1: Wow!
0: Um, and before that, Brad Silverling had a Zoom conversation with her when she was an up-and-coming writer who was a big fan of the 1995 film. Yeah. When she spoke to Brad, she said, "I have to show you something," and showed him her Casper tattoo. <laughs> and she said that that movie was for her the beginning of wanting to tell stories. She said it was huge in my youth, and I just wanted to get to meet you and ask questions. Wow. And Brad said that her vision for Peacock retains the heart and tone of the film. That's awesome. And he was really pleased with her as choice for a showrunner. So if that comes to be, which I hope it does. I don't know I the so current too. status of it. This was not uh, written that long ago. I would love to see something like that. I
1: was When you first said that, I was like, man, I really want to see this. It would
0: be very, very cool.
1: We all need more Casper in our lives. We sure do. We got to keep telling a story. So I hope she gets to. I hope so too. And in that spooky spirit of remembrance... Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> Happy
0: Halloween. <laughs> we did it. And we have finished yet another October of Pretty Darkness.
1: Man, what an October. Uh, I don't know how we did it.
0: Me neither. We both we made had, it. You guys, one day you will hear the full behind the scenes story, but we had all of the odds stacked against us this October.
1: Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about it when we do uh, our New Year's Campfire Chat mm-hmm. for
0: sure. For we're sure. just, we're so glad to have been able to continue bringing you. All the spookiness for october yeah. because we've needed this show this month just as much as hopefully you guys do Dude,
1: tell me about it yeah we love the show we love doing it it, it gives us meaning and purpose even when we feel like we have none
0: mm-hmm. so
1: we do it even at our own expense we do uh, a lot a lot of the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and speaking of that we haven't decided yet we might maybe possibly take off november as a break
0: mm-hmm. there's a there's a conversation we've had about preserving our mental health and also my physical health currently yeah
1: kayla needs to rest and take care of some shit so
0: so there's possibility but again because we love the show and you guys so much we may push through we'll just see
1: we may just do it anyway
0: but obviously that's pretty dark is here to stay it's just oh we're gonna keep we haven't doing taken it. a break in two years that's the
1: thing If you don't get an episode from us when you think you're supposed to, we're just taking a break. Yeah. We're going to come back and we're going to continue. Yeah. Um, But if you want to be fully updated, you can follow our social media because we will Mm -hmm. for sure be posting on there about what we're doing. A hundred percent.
0: At That's Pretty Dark Podcast on Instagram. At That's Pretty Dark on TikTok. That's right. And it's just us trying to do what's best for us and for you in the long run.
1: So we're going to do patrons? Yeah, speaking we have of a few. doing Yeah,
0: doing uh the best for you. Christian has been um <laughs> enjoying his new Ghost Story series on our Patreon and you guys have been loving it. So it's very exciting.
1: It's been so fun.
0: So thank you so much to our newest patrons, Diana S. Danielle, Kara V.
1: And Brooke R.
0: Thank you all so much.
1: Yeah, thank you guys. I feel like I'm always super campy about the patrons because I don't know how to say thank you. I don't know how to like... I feel like Sincerity it's Sincerity like is scary. It's like giving us money is like one of the greatest compliments you could. Yeah, do. it's huge.
0: You it's huge. But um, we're also weird about like... We're bad about compliments. Asking for money. like It's also weird. Right. It feels weird, but you know... If you choose to, you know, contribute to us in that way and contribute financially to something that you enjoy and appreciate, we do that all the time with creators that we love and appreciate. So We honestly do. It yeah. means a lot to us and we really you know, it, it does not it's not taken for granted this is anybody true. that takes the time to sign up and contribute. It really, really makes all the difference to us and helps us This is true. You know, pushes us forward, especially with Christian doing this new series on Patreon. It it really motivates us to, you know, keep putting out new content there and in general yeah. for all of you and for ourselves
1: absolutely thanks for listening thank you for being part of this with us we love doing a big october it's a big all thank you because we love spooky season and we love being able to contribute to other people's halloween times Mm -hmm. we love to contribute to the spooky fun we
0: love knowing that we are part of it with you guys in Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing to celebrate so
1: Mm -hmm. it gives us a lot of joy Mm -hmm. so thank you
0: and the spookiness doesn't end around here so if you want the forever spooky season you've come to the right place
1: halloween's just the beginning of spooky season this may be i always say this autumn is the season of the witch winter is the season of the ghost. Ah. I'm still fleshing out the rest of it. but I like it. I,
0: like I think
1: it. summer is the season of the scarecrow. I'll buy it. I don't know what spring is. But <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> well, guys, go enjoy your Halloweens, your All Hallowtide, your Hallimus, your All Hallows' Eve. And
0: we'll be enjoying it. Have fun. Right along with you, please know that.
1: Enjoy your parties. Go party like it's 1995. And your house is haunted. Bye, guys. Bye, y'all.
0: Thanks for listening to That's Pretty Dark, written and produced by Christian Baxter Mott and Kaylin Andrews.
1: Our music is composed by Jonathan Simmons, and our art is provided by Paige Garland at Power Girl Illustration.
0: Join the collective nostalgia and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at That's Pretty Dark Podcast.
1: Share your experiences and let us know what shows, films, or villains still haunt you from childhood at That's Pretty Dark Podcast at gmail.com. Remember... You're never really alone.
0: So until next time, sweet dreams, everyone.